Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. There's nothing left for us to do Find the strength to see this through Hello folks, thank you for coming to Bard's Logic Political Talk, part of the growing conservative conversation and also part of the Patriot Journalist Network. And you can find the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.patriotjournalist.com. Well, that's interesting. I thought I'd stop the music. I guess not. Well, that's interesting. Okay, folks, uh, but you can find the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.patriotjournalist.com. Hopefully you were able to make it to our show last week where uh, we got cut off, though, but we are back. uh, So I don't know what happened with that last week. I apologize, but uh, we're back for another great week uh, this week. Uh, So looking forward to that. Of course, we're going to cover the primary last night in New Hampshire, as well as at the top of the hour, uh, that is 11 p.m. Eastern time, we will have the presidential primary candidate from the Constitution that come on, Patrick Ockander, and he'll be uh, discussing that. So we're going to be looking forward to talking to him as well. And so we look forward to it, and he'll do that at the top of the hour. And, of course, as well as checking the Patriot Journalist Network, uh, also check out the Bards Logic Political Talk website at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com and uh, check out all the different pages we have there. So what a night for Donald Trump and for Bernie Sanders. Let me tell you, folks, uh, if anyone could have seen that Bernie Sanders was going to go, and I'm not a Democrat, I'm not a socialist like he is, but you got to say, for the grassroots candidates, and I wouldn't quite go as far to say a political outsider for him, but, you know, more so than Clinton, but to take New Hampshire by sitting out, granted, he, I, I pretty much knew he was going to win, but to win with like 58 to 60% of the vote and Clinton only get like 38%, that is just incredible. And so uh, personally, I would like to see more of Bernie Sanders' victories because, frankly, I think he would uh, be an easier candidate uh, to defeat in the general election uh, than he would have to, uh, than Hillary Clinton would be uh, against whoever the Republicans ever put up, uh, which, who knows, it looks like it could very well be Donald Trump and his big win, 34 35%, almost twice over his second-place contender, which uh, – I wasn't too surprised at it, especially since he was rising in the polls there. But John Kasich uh, coming in second place. I thought, uh, for the most part, his candidacy was all but said and done. Uh, I still don't think he'll make it all that much farther, but we shall see. I know he's hanging on 
until we get to the Midwestern states. And I think he knows where he thinks that's where he's going to be the more uh, powerful there, uh, where he's got the, the best chance of gaining delegates. And, you know, Ohio does have a lot of delegates and, you know, is a Midwestern candidate. So we'll see if he's able to last money-wise uh, that long. And, of course, we had uh, in third place, which, to be honest, kind of surprised me. Uh, I believe that came out uh, Ted Cruz. You know, I thought uh, actually Rubio would be third place, but however, it looks like uh, Chris Christie slamming into Rubio uh, the other night in the New Hampshire debate uh, not only hurt uh, Rubio, which uh, I think was evident in the uh, the primary last night, but I think it also hurt Christie as well. So two of the establishment candidates uh, hurt, you know, at least I think. And uh, tell me what you think by calling us at three four seven nine four five. Seven four two eight. Uh, let me know what you think about that. And yep, I see callers coming in. So once you are in, you like to uh, chime in. Push the one on the number dial, and we'll get you in and get your thoughts uh, on that. And so anyway, and so as I'm saying, yeah, I was kind of surprised uh, Cruz made third, but with uh, Chris Christie uh, hurting Rubio, now it looks like we have two uh, two candidates. Uh, salesman candidates that, that that are hurting. And then we've got George Bush uh, trying to make a showing. Uh, now, personally, I still don't think that uh, George Bush, uh, not George Bush, my gosh, Jeb Bush uh, has a chance of, of winning the primary. I really don't. That's why I, I thought and still think that Rubio, not Kasich, you know, Kasich did win the, uh, the New Hampshire primary, but I still don't think that's going to be enough to uh, carry him forward. We'll see. Uh, but who knows? I mean, who knows how bad Rubio may have gotten uh, hurt uh, from that. So we'll just have to, uh, you know, wait and see how that how that turns out on how you know, you know, for how much that hurts uh, Rubio. But I still think Rubio is going to be the establishment's pick. I said that last week uh, after uh, he came uh, in the position he did in Iowa, and so you know, third place in Iowa. And I still think that it'll remain the same because I think, you know, if there's a lot of folks giving uh, Jeb Bush money, you know, because those are the folks who, once again, just like in 2012, are thinking, oh, my gosh, this is our chance. People hate Hillary so much. This is our chance to get a, an establishment Republican. And, and, and if you listen to our shows back in 2014, folks, there are 12 folks, we said this for a while, that the Republicans have been trying to put an establishment moderate candidate to win a general election, and that has not happened. Just look at the elections. That has not happened in 40 years, so it's not going to happen now. So everything you're going to start hearing in the future about uh, the electability of the establishment pick, as I said, I think will still uh, remain to be Rubio. Um, and I think Rubio may be a, a smart and a logical pick uh, for vice president, uh, not very fact that I, I like the guy too much, but for the very fact that I think uh, he'll be able to bring some of the younger voters, bring in uh, some of the Latino vote, and I think uh, that's where at least be helpful in, in that way. Um, however, I'd really like to see him change his, his stance on immigration, even though he pretends that he does. I really don't think his heart uh, is in it um, to, uh, to really, really change his, his heart on, on immigration. I really think he's just saying that for political expediency, and also the reason why I think it's been so strong on talking about, you know, the borders and national security, things of that nature, to kind of uh, put a buffer between uh, that being more hawkish 
and how he's, uh, you know, acted in the past with immigration. So that's how I kind of see it. Now we've got, of course, South Carolina next, where uh, we all know here uh, that it was Newt Gingrich who took South Carolina. And usually South Carolina is the uh, kind of the bellwether on who's going to win, if you look uh, historically, who's going to win the primary now. Unfortunately for Newt uh, Gingrich supporters, which obviously I was one of them, uh, that didn't uh, pan out that way uh, last year. But that's because there was just so much chicanery, so much that the RNC did, uh, and they, and even the so-called uh, conservative news like Fox News or otherwise known as Fox News, uh, did get Romney, uh, elect, you know, elected for the primary. All the all the dirty, especially all the dirty tricks they did during and during the primary and at the convention. Uh, it was just amazing what they they did there. So history did not play itself out uh, with Gingrich uh, winning the primary. He was, uh, I believe, in second place in there. And then, of course, there was Ron Paul uh, with the uh, dele- you know delegates there in at uh, at for the convention. Okay, so just to say, go back in our archives here of the different podcasts and, and how we're talking about that back in 2012. But South Carolina, for the Republicans at least, of course, it's Nevada for the Democrats. Uh, but South Carolina, so will it be Ted Cruz? I think uh, Ted Cruz has a really good shot of winning the uh, primary there in South Carolina. Trump may be able to come up and win it. I think he's got a, he's definitely got a shot. At it. He's definitely got momentum uh, coming in second place in in Iowa, and then first place uh, in New Hampshire. So I just really think he's got the, the momentum and move in there. And so uh, if anyone would like to chime in, give us a call at 347-945-7428. I do see that there are folks in the queue uh, who uh, have called in. And if you'd like to chime in and give us your comments, just push the one on your number dial, and we'll do so. Now, of course, uh, we've got, as I said, South Carolina. And then we're going to be moving south to, you know, a lot of the what some folks would call the Bible Belt regions. And also, and then Cruz, he thinks he'll do uh, well there uh, because of a lot of the evangelicals. But remember, folks, Trump got a lot of evangelicals to vote for him in Iowa. And he actually won across the board of the different um, – diversities in New Hampshire, you know, I mean, he got the, the, the women's vote. He got the older folks vote. He got the, you know, different age groups vote, you know, women's men. I mean, he just, it's just across the board uh, in New Hampshire, but I do see someone like to chime in and I uh, didn't get a chance to do some call screening. So I'll take the risk, so to speak, and go ahead and let this person in before I've uh, been able to ask him who they are, but that's okay. Uh, I'll just say that their area code starts with two, six, two, uh, this is the host. Uh, give us your name and where you're hailing from, and how are you tonight? Go ahead, uh, area code 626-262. Hello? Hello, yes, you're on oh, the show. Hello? Okay, um, my yes. name is Kay, and I'm from Racine, Wisconsin, and I am a Dr. Ben Carson supporter. Um, oh, yeah, if, if, let's go ahead and talk if, about if, that. Yeah, if anyone gets a chance, if if you check on his website, he was the first candidate to ever come out with with actual policies on all of the issues. It's all written up. You can find out 
where he stands on everything. Um, prior to running for office, we had a lot of people that had a win-ben-win um, grassroots movement to basically draft him into running because we wanted somebody that was not a professional politician or establishment. Gingrich was one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's just that. And um, he he prayed about it and got back to us and said that if God opened the doors for him, he'd walk through them. And so he has been walking through a lot of doors. He's a fantastic person. If you've ever read any of his books, his last one, the A More Perfect Union, is all about the Constitution. And I think that should be required reading for any high school students. It's just fantastic. It's about what we the people can do to reclaim our constitutional liberties. It's it's awesome. <laughs> and well, it's, it's, it's just, go ahead, Kate. Uh, it's just been really hard on the people that have encouraged him to run. We feel bad the way he's being treated because we kind of pushed them into this. But he's not in any of the the reports on what how the how the election is going. Even in our local newspaper here in Racine, they had almost a full page article about all about the election and his name was not even mentioned. And in some of the, the photos talking you know, coming up to the New Hampshire election, they had a big circle with pictures of all the candidates and he was not in it. I mean it's just like wow. a total blackout. It's really he's just the invisible candidate. He's treated like a ghost by by the media and by the the establishment and by the other candidates. No, they just it's like he doesn't exist. And that's really hard. So what do you think, and, and, go ahead. <laughs> and why do you think that's okay? Well, I, I mean I've got I my really own think, uh, I've got my own thoughts too of course, but uh yeah, I'd like I to hear really yours. Go ahead. Think I really think that the, the um, I think p- the people in power are afraid of him because he is so wise and he has ideas and he's able to get people together to accomplish things that have that people have said could not be done. He's just very very good at, at um, coalescing teams of people that are good at what they do, and they, they accomplish the impossible. And I think people are afraid of that because they know he's a good man, and they know that he's not going to do you know evil things. He's not going to talk bad about any of them or anything. He's just he's just kind and wise. We, we did, after one of the debates, not this last one, but the one before, it's just put everything that he said together, and even though it was only six-plus minutes that he was given time to right. talk, he mm-hmm. said so I was going to mention that, actually. You stole my thunder, Kate. <laughs> you What's stole my that? thunder. I was going to mention that. But no, go ahead. I'm yeah, with you. See, go ahead. he said so much more. The other ones bicker back and forth, and it reminds me of little kids on the playground in kindergarten fighting about whose dad is the biggest or something. It's... Yeah, it's very, very frustrating because we really, you know, we've gotten to really love this man, and there's nothing that should keep him from becoming a president. 
And I've never heard you guys before, and I'm very new to Facebook. I don't even have a computer. It's just, a you know, something that we really believe in. So I know... Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I um, no. Go ahead. You I got think, the mic. Sure. I think I read that you are in the Constitution Party, or somebody is from from your station, or. But anyway, yeah, years actually, ago, yeah, one of the, yeah, one of the yeah, people. Ago, um, I was a libertarian, you, and and after I was a libertarian, I was a part of the Constitution Party for a while. So I agree with you guys, and I think that that Ben Carson is pretty much along those lines, except he joined the Republican Party to run for president. <laughs> you know, just right, well, because... actually... Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> well, I was just going to mention real quick, it, but uh, tonight we do have, I mean, frankly, in 2012, I voted for Virgil Goode, uh from the uh, Constitution Party because, you know, I told folks, you know, vote your conscience. You know, I mean, I, I railed yeah, against Romney. Right. Uh, people can listen to the show. And I railed against Romney for months, 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 months. And my right. my, my contention is, you know, I, and, and was back then, is I cannot vote for a guy who I railed on for months and months and months and how much of a horrible candidate it would be and then turn around and right. vote for him. But I said, folks, exactly. you know, if you think by your conscience, for whatever reason, you need to vote for Romney, you know, because you need yeah. Obama Obama or what have you, <laughs> do it. You know, I mean, do it. I mean, I, I've got no, I've got no qualms with that. But boy, I tell you, I tell you what, Kate. I mean, some of the that the hate mail and some of the hate calls that I got is, you know, and, and things on Facebook is unbelievable. Oh, I know. Um, what what I know. what I, what I got after that? Um, it was incredible. Yeah, I know. But, I um, ran for state assembly twice. You're really putting yourself out there. The first time I ran as an independent libertarian. And the second time I ran as a Republican, and I I held the I, I held the long the most highest percentage of Republican votes in our district for a lot, for many 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 years. You know, I'm 71 years old, so that was a, that was a while ago that that happened. But it was for at least a decade where it was the highest percentage of Republican vote votes in our district. People would say that you could run your dog as a Democrat in our district and they would win. Oh, wow. But I don't like yeah, and the party system. It's just too, it's too cut and dried and stuff. And, and mm-hmm. people might believe in the libertarianism or constitution party or some of the other ones and really, you know, follow their platform to the letter, but because of our system and the way it's set up, that you know, if you want to get a candidate in, like Dr. Ben, he's got to he's got to line up where he is closest. Mhm. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, I know. Uh, I like I like Ireland's uh, political system. We had a, an expert in uh, political science. I mean, pol- I'm sorry, Irish politics uh, from Xavier University. Here, uh, sometimes this should talk about the Ireland's political system. Uh, now, I, I personally think it would, it's, it's a better system voting. I mean, even the way they vote, uh, I think it's definitely it's more representational uh, than what we have here in the United States. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and the gentleman who's going to be coming on uh, at the top of the hour, he's uh, one of the primary presidential candidates for the Constitution Party. Uh, so he'll be, um, you know, he'll, he'll be yeah. calling in around then. 
and we'll be interviewing. Well, you'll be joining our roundtable discussion. Because I agree with their party platform. <laughs> well, yeah, definitely. I, I agree a lot but with the Constitution looked, Party platform. Yeah, if any of you looked up that, you know, Dr. Um, ben, no, it's www.bencarson.com. And he's got all the issues listed in there, even like cybersecurity and some of the things that it, they don't get into that often, and, but it's very important. So, well, two, two, two things I want to say a little bit about the show. Um, it's a little bit different. Okay. I appreciate you giving us a call in. Uh, what we do a little bit different here is, uh, you know, when someone calls in, if they'd like uh, to stay on for the remainder of the show, of course, you're welcome to. We have uh, what's called a roundtable discussion uh, where I do as best as I can uh, to try to get, you know, everyone on the line, everyone who calls in uh, as much equal time uh, as possible uh, so, you know, they can, you know, get in all their thoughts, you know, if we bring up new topics and, and things of that nature. So, Kate, uh, you are definitely, you know, welcome to uh, stay on uh, as long as you like. We do have uh, Susan who's wanting to uh, chime in. But first, uh, before I do that, let me go ahead and uh, make some comments about Ben Carson. And I agree with a lot of what you said, Kate, especially with the media. And, yeah, that was a preposterous. I mean, when Ben Carson was uh, – he came in fourth place, um, the third or fourth, uh, fourth place, I believe, in the Iowa uh, primary right. and or caucus. And he got only six minutes, which was the least amount of time than any candidate. I mean, the candidates right. that got 1%, right. <clears throat> a.k.a. Chris Christie, got more time after the Iowa caucus uh, debate than than Carson did. I mean, they hardly gave him any. So I think I think there's a lot of validity in what you say, not, you know, not just both with, you know, with the so-called conservative media, where we all know we're talking about so, I mean, Fox News, okay? But, well, you know, Fox also, News you know, your, your other media is in the debate. No. No, I, I, you know, and supposedly they're like, oh, well, you know, because of the, the, you know, they give them, you know, time according to where they are in the polls. And that certainly didn't show true at the debates. No, no, not at all. And also some people were saying how Ted Cruz might have had some chicanery going on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's no doubt. Well, I'm not even, you know, I I can't say if if Ted Cruz knew about it or not, you know, ahead of time. That's true. Well, once, true. Once true. He true. Did, he oh, apologized, God. and the apology was accepted. Except he should find out where it came from and why, if he really thinks it was wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, Carson doesn't. Carson doesn't want to to damage Cruz either. He just wants to find out why these things are happening, and and why they're not illegal. <laughs> it's just well, seems I know, like I there's what, so much um, going on that should not be legal. Well, I'm not saying any legalities of it, but I know uh, back in 2012, I was, uh, you know, working heavily with the grassroots campaign with, uh, for the Newt Gingrich campaign, and there was, you know, definitely people within, you know, within his organization that we believe, I mean, you know, unfortunately, we, we weren't able to get what the, the concrete proof. I mean, it was all circumstantial, you know, evidence, so to speak, but it definitely, there was definitely signs of uh, infiltration into the Gingrich campaign and his organization uh, from the Romney campaign. I mean, there was just too many things yeah. that, you know, came together uh, and things that failed when, you know, at, at critical moments uh, communication-wise oh, yeah. for the Gingrich campaign well, that it just se- couldn't seem to be anything but. 
Yeah, Gingrich was such a good historian and stuff. He, he just he's another one like Carson that just knew everything and knew what was going on. Yeah, <laughs> I hear you. Yeah, and, and Gingrich was actually was touting. Uh, he was one of those folks who was touting to get um, get him in. But I do see Susan and Kelly on the line, and I do uh, who'd like to chime in. So Kate, uh, I here's Kate. how we do it here. Is I'm I'm going to keep your mic open. Now, if there's going to be any background noise, just you know mute your phone and then, but we will bring things back to you and get you back to another show. So we, we really would like you to be a part of our roundtable discussion tonight. And so I'm, I'm going to go ahead and bring in Susan and then I've got Kelly on the line and I see other folks uh, who like to chime in. Uh, so when you want to, uh, you know, chime in with us, push the one on your number dial and I will get it in for us. Uh, no audio clips though tonight, folks. I know uh, a lot of times I have those, but it'll be pure discussion this evening. Uh, especially, you know, and then, of course, we have our guests coming on at the top of the hour. Of course, I may play a couple of clips that I've, I've got, but those are just, you know, kind of promotional uh, for the Constitution Party's debate uh, that is happening at the end of this month. And, of course, then there's also the Patriot Journalist Network. Uh, and so, you know, we'll probably hear from them at some point tonight. Uh, but let's go ahead and bring in Susan. Thank you very much, Susan, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Oh, fine, thank you. I um, found something very interesting. Um, well, I, an ad popped up over it. That just irritates me. But now, oh, here it is. While Democrats whine about Iowa caucus results, Tea Partiers who supported Ron Paul are laughing hysterically. <laughs> yeah, they, the big thing is, it shows pictures. Uh, Sanders' 16 supporters. Clinton cheated. The elections are rigged. <laughs> I love it. I love it because I have no doubt of it. They've been cheating before, and there will continue to be. And with Ron Paul, there was lots of cheating, thanks to Romney. And um, I believe Al Gore. I can't stand the man. Oh. You know that I mean that's Al Gore. What? <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. That's but Al Gore. I do believe that Bush <laughs> and the Bush and them it was a cheat. Al Gore should have been our president. Albeit you gag me now, but I believe they cheated and took it from him because they wanted Bush in there for a term or two in order to push us toward in the country into voting for Obama. They used Bush to do that. And so they they didn't want Al Gore for their own reasons. He was better for something else. And this is the new world order I speak of, of course. So there has been, I mean, Barry Goldwater used to wake up every day and pretty much what I remember reading years ago, and he'd say, hello, Lyndon, because he knew Lyndon was spying on him, even in his room. So there's, there's spying, there's cheating, there's lying in elections. There's no doubt about it. What can you do? Not well, I'll tell you what, you know, speaking of speaking of Al Gore um, and, and that election, Al. I mean, I don't know. If <laughs> I, I don't know if I subscribe to you know to what you're saying there, but one thing uh, that you know the election between you know Bush and Al Gore uh, makes me want to get back to those good old days. Is you know I want chant back. I want the hanging chads back. And not that I want hanging chads, so to speak, but I want those darn cards where I'm going to push, you know, this little thing out, right? Okay? 
and someone or or, or, or or scratch something in or whatever, and someone's going to count those. A human being is going to look at that ballot and count. I don't care how long it takes. See, that's the thing about Amer- you know, American society. We want things now. It's got to be now. Let's have it now. we got to know now. It's got to be so quick. Take your damn time. You know, especially when it comes to something as important as an election. The hell with these damn computers, you know. You know, as every you know, people here have pointed out on the show, is they're so easily manipulated. I mean, who knows if what the counts are really are what the counts are, especially in general elections, you know, especially in a national election. Uh, so get the hell rid of these damn computers. You know, get human beings back into it, as in my opinion, it was meant to be. Okay, and then maybe we'll have some, you know, we we really know, I think, and feel more confident that, you know, what elections happen is actually the will of the people. I agree with you on that. I just, the reason was it was a mess in Florida. And they had some different stuff going on in Florida with the machines. And the Florida voters being apparently very slow uh, in how they used to them, yeah. um, couldn't figure it out. And so a lot of votes, they tossed to Bush, even though there had been a mess. They tossed him, and the Supreme Court ruled in his favor. I still believe they wanted him. They wanted him. And there's reasons they wanted him. There's reasons they want, they, they wanted different ones in there. They wanted Carter in for a small amount of time to cause problems. They, you know, I mean, if you read Phyllis Shapley's book, The Kingmakers, they gathered and they chose. When Barry Goldwater was running, they weren't expecting that. That, that defeat, that one time, even though he didn't lost, thanks to most Republicans, um, they didn't expect him to win the nomination. That, that threw them totally. They did not expect him to, he, he, whatever happened, it wasn't the, what they had planned on, let's put it that way. And so they, they got a lot of Republicans to not support him, and uh, they, it's, it's the way it went. It's too bad because he was a good man. Yeah, you know, and back then, of course, those things can, you know, more or could be more likely to happen, like become unexpected because, you know, back then they didn't have the computers to count the vote. They actually needed uh, people, human beings, hands, eyes on there uh, to count those votes. So let's go ahead and uh, bring Kelly in. Uh, but first, before we bring in Kelly, because I didn't mention it earlier, let's go ahead and hear about uh, the Constitution Party's Idaho 216 presidential debate. Maybe. <laughs> we the people of the Constitution Party, a surveyor, a vocational nurse, a behavioral counselor, ordinary citizens, extraordinary candidates. The public is invited to the 2016 Boise Presidential Debate, held Saturday afternoon, February 27th at 12.30 p.m. at Hayes Auditorium, Boise Main Library. For details, visit www.cpidaho.org. Brought to you by the people of the Constitution Party of Idaho. And there you go, uh, Susan. That's uh, just right up your alley. So, you know, I tell you what... uh, www what? You get the details. 
Well, I tell you what, we'll uh, I'll, I'll get I'll get you some uh, more details, and uh, we'll play we'll play the audio again uh, later on tonight. Uh, but you I know, know who knows the end of this month. Per- right. So perhaps we can uh, ha- have you do a little reporting there w- uh, for us. Let's go ahead and talk about that off the air. Uh, perhaps we can, uh, if you can go there, we can talk to some of the uh, the folks there. I know um, they've been in contact with the the Idaho State Chairman of the Constitution Party. And maybe we could get something uh, together. We could do something uh, like that. I think that'd be great. So let's go ahead and bring in Kelly. Hey, Kelly, thank you very much for coming to the show. How are you? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. Um, watched the uh, victory speeches last night, uh, Bernie Sanders and uh, Donald Trump. That was rather interesting. Um, <clears throat> yeah, Bernie uh, Sanders really, really did did well against Ava Braun, um, you know, that other lady. <laughs> Uh, I told that to a friend, and he's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. What did Ava Braun do so bad to be compared to Hillary Clinton? Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so, uh, yeah, Bernie's got – He, I was watching the different crowds. Cruz probably had the most passionate crowd behind him. Trump had a lot of hoorays and stuff, but the passion was with Sanders. He doesn't like the corporations, and if you've heard of – Stockholm syndrome, where um, a person's kidnapped and they start liking and defending their uh, captor. Well, uh, there's a new thing with politicians who, oh, I'm going to listen to my constituents and respect the Constitution, but the corporations come along, give them stock, and then what happens is they pass the legislation so the, the congressman's stock goes through the ceiling and this disease, uh, psychological disorder, is called stockholder syndrome. And so <laughs> Bernie, San- Bernie Sanders was playing on that and hates the big corporations, the Wall Street bankers. And from that, he got an awful lot of passion. And over to Trump, you know, he had a lot shorter speech, and it was really good. And and yet, I'm sorry, it's only New Hampshire. I know he got second in Iowa in New Hampshire. Number one, it's too early to have a premature trumpulation. So, anyway, now we're off to South Carolina. And electronic election machines, we're talking about those. The bottom line is whenever a vote is turned into electrons, it is so easily subject to computer manipulation. We have to either have printouts, duplicate, or we have to uh, get rid of the machines. And so, as you know, uh, Bernie Sanders was calling um, the Iowa Democratic Party, hey, 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 hey. You're having Microsoft count the votes with a nice little app on their phone. I want the original tallies. On CNN, he was calling out, wait, wait, wait. A socialist doesn't trust a socialist, Bill Gates, to count the votes through an app on the phone? And the Republicans, they were in Iowa. They were tripping over each other to get iPhones to those who didn't have them for the uh, caucus captains. So I think that's a little frightening there. But anyway, nevertheless... So we have this um, situation going on, and I was talking to some lady about electronic election fraud, and she goes, well, I like that I get to vote on a paper ballot, and then they scan it, ma'am. Once it gets scanned, it's turned into electrons. Oh, yeah. So I don't know. Maybe that's the reason why Congress has a 12% approval rating, and they still keep getting elected, and Congress defined in the animal kingdom as a group of baboons. Um <laughs> <laughs> so I I thought it was cool what Trump was doing. He's not establishment. Um, I have I have a game actually. I got it. At, it's called the Trump game. 
this next whole game in a box. Got a picture of him behind him, the Manhattan skyline, you know, Hudson River, whatever. And it says on the box, I'm back and you're fired. <laughs> I'd love to see him get in and fire about a third of the federal government. Andrew Jackson did that when he was president. But, of course, I don't know how he's going to do it because he could probably fire people 24-7 and in eight years still not get a third of the government fired. So I don't know what to say about that. But I, I he's going to take... It's you know it's going to take two years for him to be effective because he's going to have to appeal to the American people and say, hey, I only have so much power. Get the Congress, get these people in who understand business. And so um, I, I think that's real interesting. What's going to happen? Um, hopefully, um, hope, well, I was you know I was hoping for Rand in Iowa, but he's, he's pretty much out. Uh, oh, by the way, the Ted Cruz thing. With uh, the twi- the Twitter that went out one minute after, um, I don't know if it was CNN. I mean, this is it looks like dirty politics. Here what it looks like, but you might might want you might want to look a little deeper on on the uh, Ted Cruz situation. So uh, one minute after the news announced that, oh, it looks like Ben Carson might be quitting the race, a, t- a Twitter went out saying that um, <clears throat> Ben Carson's dropped out. Vote for Ted Cruz now. Obviously, Ted Cruz didn't do this. One of the campaign staff did. So you start to ask the question, and I have the right to be suspicious. I can't confirm any of this, but with suspicion comes a hunt for evidence and comes conviction. But with the suspicion, it's very possible there was a paid operative in the Iowa campaign with Cruz or somebody really young and stupid. Um, But a paid operative, that would have been the perfect setup the perfect setup that even if CNN or whoever the news company was, because Ted Cruz explained this is what happened. The news came out and said he might be, and then a Twitter came out. He apologized. Ben Carson was, yeah, okay, you apologized, but how about the how about the consequences? How do we, you know, make up for that? The Iowa Attorney General is actually being under investigation on that. But back to the paid operatives, um, it's very possible like with Gingrich having Romney infiltrators and Ron Paul having Romney infiltrators, all this high-dollar stuff. Um, could have been an operative that at the precise moment um, did something like this, and it really hurt Cruz in New Hampshire. What, he came in third or one, two, three, four? He came in, it was, it was uh, the Trump later, and it was, then it was Kasich, uh, Bush, and then it was, uh, wasn't it Cruz? Or did Cruz come in third? Anyway, it really came in third. Okay, so Cruz came. Yeah, Cruz came in third. Okay, so uh, Cruz came ahead of Bush Light. Okay, or Bush not so light. Um, Anyway, (laughs) so so Cruz, I think he got hurt from that Twitter, Um, and it's. I think it's going to hurt him the rest of the campaign. So, plus the fact that he's not eligible, minor versus half percent. Anyway, although I like the guy, <laughs> I just, you know, sorry, the little little Supreme Court case in the 1800s, it kind of says something about that. Anyway, um, so yeah, it's it's going to be, uh, it's going to be real interesting, and I, I'm still wondering if I should buy a fiddle, Robert. Uh, you know what I mean by fiddle? <laughs> Is that you like who a, made that noise? Uh, you know, like a violin slash a fiddle, you know, so while mm-hmm. Rome burns, I can fiddle, you know. I, 
I don't know. I'm just getting frustrated at the circus. Oh, okay. I get, and now I, instead of fiddles, I hear crickets. So <laughs> let's go ahead. <laughs> and, and yeah, I mean, I've seen you know, okay. seen some different uh, you know articles about you know, you know about Cruz and and what you know, he may be having for you know, and and I don't understand. Here's the thing: for those who are who think that I, I know the conventional wisdom is that the and Kate, I want to get your take on this. I think the conventional wisdom is that if Ben Carson drops out of the race, that the, his supporters would go to Ted Cruz. You know, because, you know, they say, well, the evangelists and what have you, blah, 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 right? Conservatives, blah, blah, blah. I, don't, I really don't believe that. I mean, it hasn't happened because, you either. know, Ben Carson's still in there, so I'm speculating. I think it's more likely, and, and tell me what you think, Kate, is that I think it's more likely that Ben Carson supporters, instead of going for Ted Cruz, would, because I think not only, not as much because he's a, you know, conservative, evangelical, you know, things of that nature, I think one of the biggest appeals to Ben Cruz, I mean, Ben Carson, Ben Cruz, Ben Carson is that he's an outsider. He's not been a politician. Uh, personally, I think that that is his biggest draw for folks who support him, in, in, including myself. That's one of them. And I think that if Ted Cruz, on second, if Ben Carson were to suspend his campaign, that it would be Cruz who would get his votes. I think it would be. I think Donald Trump would get more of his votes. What do you think, Kate? Um, I'm not sure what would happen because um, Dr. Ben keeps telling us this he's in for the ninth inning. He, he thinks that foot, that baseball game shouldn't be called after the first or second inning. And just shortly before the um, the Iowa caucuses that got all this stuff going, um, he had been interviewed by a couple people that asked him what what would what was he going to do. If he did not do well in the Iowa caucuses, would he be out? And he says, the only way I would be out is if I die. So he is in it. He's got money. He's got supporters. I mean, he doesn't have to, he, you know, he didn't put money or time into into um, New Hampshire. He should have put a little more in because it would have been nicer to get up a little bit more than what he did. But he put a lot into South Carolina. We'll see what happens there. But I really think that there's something going on with a, you know, I don't like him to be a conspiracy theorist and all that stuff, but I really think there is a conspiracy with the media. Because even when when Carson supporters had asked people that were the, were the moderators, like during the, the time when they were having commercial breaks and stuff like that, um, how come Carson wasn't getting any questions, they just turned their backs to him. And to her, they didn't even answer the questions. They just they they treat him like he's a ghost. There's really yeah, it's just hard to imagine that could happen. They did to Rand Paul. What's that? They did it to Rand Paul too. They yes, they did. Time. They did that. Yeah, to that's Rand true. Paul. They did it to Rand Paul too. 
they did it to Carly too. Carly had more um, more votes and higher poll ratings than those some of the guys that were on that last debate, and she was not on it. I mean, they're the media is picking and choosing who they want, and and that's there's something going on there that's wrong. Yeah, and they do, and and a part. And that was actually another thing, and, and that happened with Gingrich in 2012. Is you know the media uh, coverage with um, you know wasn't you know wasn't covering him either. Uh, then you know that's kind of what happened. I mean, he still got really far for the media not you know doing that, and then the way that the so-called uh, conservative media treated him. Uh, so you know, for Gingrich to have gotten as far as he did. Um, I don't know if it was health or, or maybe he just knows the game too well. Uh, why he didn't try again this year? I mean, I, I think he still would have fared much better than uh, than we've seen the other two candidates, uh, such as Rick Santorum and yeah. uh, Huckabee. I think I think he would have fared much well, better than them, especially in the debate. Probably because they did so well in the last two elections, where they they you know. One after the other one, the Iowa caucuses. Oh, those are really good. didn't have to worry. He's like, Jesus, only better. That's what he said. So he shouldn't have to worry about money or votes. I mean, he's like, Jesus, only better. You know, what can I say? Yeah, I don't know what to do because, we know, if anybody that knows Dr. Carson or even, you know, has read any of his six books or, or anything, just knows that he he is the man for the job. <laughs> if you yeah, he's a member have, of my church. He's a member yeah, of my church. if you don't have any media coverage or anything, what are you going to do? And he is just so sweet and calm about it. And <laughs> Oh, well. <laughs> that doesn't mean I would vote for him because he's an Adventist. I won't vote for anybody because of their religion. I But he is a decent guy and he's very smart. And um, can I interrupt with something else? I just need you to be. Uh, this guy posted this about an hour ago. The FBI is surrounding the camp in Burns, Oregon. The phone call arrived from the refuge. FBI sees it's happening now. That is really scary. Um, yes, they moved in on the last refugee occupiers, and they gave phone numbers to call the FBI and some uh, the county and uh, the county sheriff. But they, the numbers are blocked right now. And I represent well, Michelle Fiora from Nevada is trying to talk them down. Now, I don't know if that is the FBI she's trying to talk down or the people that are in there, which there was a kid in there. And um, it, it's just disgusting. I am so angry about this. You can't yeah. imagine. And they have a, um, I, I found a thing to the people who live in, and it was to all the western states, including Idaho, Let's take the land that we are owed back. This is a federal law. It says when a territory becomes a state, all federal land, except forts, post offices, will be turned over to the new state. This was done until Western territories became states. Contact your governors. Ask them to get together with the other governors of the Western states and start the process taking our land we are owed. So I called Otter today. Yes, I did. He wasn't in, and neither was the gal, uh, the guy that works for the federal lands. And I read them that, and I asked, uh, on the answer machine, I asked, do you have a pair of brass ones to deal with it? And if they knew our founding fathers' three documents or if they didn't. So, um, yeah, I did put it that way to them. I did. 
I uh, will see if I get a call back. I left my name and number because I'm really, really angry. Uh, um, this is, and I saw a map, by the way, of what they control the federal government of land. You know, yes, I'm already. Not back east. Oh no, back east. No, they no. have most of the control themselves. Uh, right. uh, the states and the people. It's only in the west that they. You know, Idaho is. Oh, it looks like 80 to 90 percent taken over by the federal government as far as land. It's just a narrow strip. And it's like, why did they take over our, um, uh, well, the Western lands? Well, as my friend Bo said, and her brother was a senator here in Idaho, and uh, she's connected to John Versailles like I am, she said point blank, it's the uranium. That's what they wanted it for was the uranium. That um, Hillary is behind the deal with the with this out here in Oregon. She wants the uranium money. She's cut a deal. And Harry Reid, we know, was with the Bundy's thing. There was uranium. He was cutting a deal with China to get on the minerals and rice. So this is what it's all about. The Western lands are rich in minerals and probably back east it's been stripped. And so I'm sorry I'm changing the subject, but this is, you know, where he, they had posted that. It's just, like, really scary. Are we going to have more dead bodies tomorrow? And I'm just scared and angry for those actually, people. Well, it's actually good you said that because um, it is a good segue to what uh, Kelly uh, is, is going to be talking about here uh, about our special edition of Barnes Logic Political Talk, which we will be having a show this Friday at our regular time at 10 p.m. Eastern time, it's going to be a special edition. And I'm going to move the mic uh, over, over to Kelly here so he can tell uh, more about it. Kelly, as we say here on the show, the mic is yours. Go ahead. Well, thank you. Yeah, the ham and rat situation has gotten a lot more serious. Of course, somebody was murdered. Um, even here in uh, Northern California, we've had rallies for ranchers for you know preventing land, land grabs, if you will. The Bundy Ranch situation went kind of hostile. A lot of people showed up from all over the country with guns. I knew somebody who was there, Wayne. He was on the show once. But underneath an overpass, the feds versus everyday folk with guns, he heard safeties going off. It was that close. Somebody jumped out in the middle and said, hey, 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 let's talk. So this has gone another level. Well, there's a group working. In in fact, I talked to um, a federal judge today of the continental United States, his name is Bruce Toussaint. He's going to come on the show, and they're working on grand jury orders to call up the militia to deal with the feds, um, calling the uh, militia from all over the country to show up and deal with the feds. So he's going to tell us about this and, uh, you know, the common law as well as the grand jury and how this all works. Um, but, yeah, it's it's getting pretty serious. And so there's attempts, if you will, to uh, mobilize people, kind of like Bundy Ranch, in Nevada, and so that's the special show that we were lucky to catch him so quickly. So that's kind of a, a plug for for Friday night. No problem. I'll I'll be in on it. Is this the same phone number? Is it another show? Or is it it's your special edition then? Oh no, it's going to be as uh, it's going to be as normal. The same uh, calling number, everything. Uh, it's just going to be you know regular three four seven nine four five. Seven four two eight. It's going to be the regular uh, number. Okay. Just it's just going to be. Sure. It's just going to be on a. Uh, it's just going to be on a different night. That's all. It's just going to okay. have a special edition on Friday night. 
Let's just hope we don't have more dead bodies at that point, too. Oh, my God. It's just, that, you know what? It's interesting I'm, you said that, because, I mean, I agree. It's, um, it's, yeah, that's exactly what Kelly said earlier today when we were talking about the, the show this Friday. So scared. So scared for those people. It's Waco all over again, Randy Weaver. It's just, and, and the candidates aren't speaking about that. Oh, no, we mustn't touch some kind of topic like that, apparently. Um, there was you know, a that, really good constitutional lawyer that I heard that was talking about what what is actually legal and what isn't, and there and it's I don't I didn't catch her name. It was a woman lawyer, um, and she was saying that you, that the only thing that's legal is to own um, ports and and um, Let's see, forts and ports in 10 miles square around Washington, D.C. And that's actually the only thing that's legal. And I didn't catch your name because I'd like to get more information on that, too, because I know that we've talked with Dr. Carson about that, too, and he thinks it's just terrible how our Constitution is being Well, actually, they do have misinterpreted in um, forts, enclaves, and arsenals if the state turns these areas over for, obviously, forts, buildings, things like that. So Right, everything that doesn't that's just the federal government. The states can own land, but it, anything that's not um assigned to the federal government by the constitution is up to the states. Correct. Except for there are some type of treaties when states came into the union like California or Nevada, that's why there was so much federal lands. It was a federal mm. territory and then the land started getting disposed of by the Bureau of Land Management, and they have kind of reversed that and started taking land. The whole um, goal or mission statement of the BLM when it got started was to dispose of the public lands into the hands of the private people, you know, back to the state and private. And if you look at a map of uh, government-owned, federal government-owned land, as you move further west, federal government owns an awful lot more, and there's very little federally-owned property in the eastern states, and, and that's because that thinking of disposing the land is what happened. Yeah, the the whole whole thing is just a disaster. (laughs) Okay, it sounds like uh, it sounds like real real quick, Susan. Um, it does. It sounds like Kate uh, that you may or may not know some people uh, in the the Ben Carson campaign. Is that true or um who? Oh, her. We we are. I'm I am a supporter of Dr. Carson. Yeah, I didn't know whether if you if you uh, had any kind of contact or dealings with uh, anyone from this campaign. But of course, you know, if you had any contact information, you can uh, let me know, and I'd be more that you know, I'd be thrilled to try to get uh, either him or one of his, uh, you know, yeah, well, folks from this campaign on, on the show talk about his campaign. If you go on Facebook on um, BenCarson.com, he's got just everything on there. Contact people and and all the different issues. Well, I've taken I've taken that route uh, and unfortunately haven't heard much. I'm sure he's busy. Got a lot of media outlets uh, giving him a a call. I, you know, I, I you know, tried on a couple of occasions, but maybe you know, trying again. Yeah, I know the I know the fella from Wisconsin, um, who's like his campaign person from Wisconsin, but I don't know if that would get you through to him. But. 
you know, he's got a, he's got his people he's got to go through too. I don't know what, what you all heard oh, sure. about the Carson shakeup when he had a shakeup with his campaign. Um, one mm-hmm. of you was talking about the infiltrators in the Gingrich campaign. Well, the people that were in the Carson campaign that were heading it up were were people that were told to him because he's not a politician, doesn't know all this stuff, that would be really good for his campaign. And they, you know, when he did a deep dive into the campaign and found out some of the things they were doing, basically he gave them the option of either leaving or being fired, and they left. But, I, yeah, he's, he's been cleaning out his campaign a lot of a lot of that stuff. So there are a lot of people in there that shouldn't have been and were and you know, took a lot of Carson supporter names and things along with them to the Cruz campaign. So that was not good either. There's just so much underhanded stuff in politics. It's just beyond me to understand how it keeps on going on because people know about it. Yep. Well, luckily God knows all and sees all. Yes, he does. That's what I keep telling people when when they get really, really upset about not hearing about Carson on the news or in the newspapers or on television or anything. And, you know, God is in control. He's still in control of everything. And he was in control when the Babylonians took over Israel. So, what can I say? He wanted to bring them to their knees for 70 years. Oh, God's plans aren't always what we hope for. Nope. Well, maybe we'll have to have a you know, discussion that someday, as, as uh, Kelly calls it. Or, or what's that? The uh, the Barnes Logic Bible Hour, uh, Kelly. Is which <laughs> when we get in our <laughs> theological discussions uh, sometimes. Well, another thing for the new the new folks on the show is uh, we definitely have uh, both and panelists. Um, I guess we definitely have a, 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 diver, a diverse, diverse group on the show. We are. The one thing we do have in common, of course, is we're, you know, for the most part, uh, either conservative or libertarian or something of, of that bent. But, I mean, we've had uh, panelists on the show, including, you know, uh, Cindy Todd, uh, that yourself, Susan, and, you know, what we had uh, Dan Gray on as a panelist for a while and some other folks. I mean, we've had folks, you know, we've had uh, – you know, Jewish panelists. We've also had, you know, Catholic. We've had pagan. That's myself. Um, you know, on the show, we've got you know had libertarians, Constitutional Party, Green Party, Republicans. Uh, yeah. You know, you know, as part of the panel. Well, I don't know. If you guys are uh, even old enough to remember when Ron Paul ran for president as a libertarian, but when he was running his his vice presidential candidate was Andre Maru. Do you remember him from Canada? I mean, from Alaska. I don't remember the name. Anyway, when when um, Ron Paul was running as a libertarian, Andre Maru stayed at our house and and put and put um, couch cushions on the floor to sleep on. And he gave me this really cool, um, uh, oh, kind of a gold-plated hanger that says something about um, liberty and. And there was a hat that said everything, everything under this hat is self controlled or something. <laughs> but, oh, yeah, yeah, we've had uh Yeah, we we've interviewed people from different parties, you know, libertarians, constitutional parties, Republicans. 
I think maybe one, maybe two Democrats. Uh, I've interviewed some Green Party candidates. Uh, mm-hmm. who I, I'm kind of a I'm kind of a mix between a constitutional, uh, you know, between the Constitution Party and the Green Party. <laughs> if you can see yeah. anything's matching in any way, well, but I do uh, points to make. <laughs> And so, well, yeah, and then actually, speaking of Constitution Party, I believe we have our uh, guest from the Constitution Party on the line, and that's our uh, guest, Patrick Ockander, who's running in the presidential primary uh, for that. But let's go ahead uh, and then get the, the website uh, down for uh, for your season, and anyone else uh, who wants to take the website down uh, for the debate that are, they are having in the state of Idaho the end of this month. And so let's go ahead and hear another clip for the debate, and then we'll bring our guest in. We the people of the Constitution Party, a surveyor, a vocational nurse, a behavioral counselor, ordinary citizens, extraordinary candidates. The public is invited to the 2016 Boise presidential debate held Saturday afternoon, February 27th at 12.30 p.m. at Hayes Auditorium, Boise Main Library. For details, visit www.cpidaho.org. Brought to you by the people of the Constitution Party of Idaho. There you go, folks. Uh, And so let's go ahead and bring in our guest, and that is Patrick. Thank you very much, Patrick, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Oh, thanks for coming uh, to the show. And so you're from Texas, is that correct? That's correct. And I believe uh, two of the candidates that will be at the debate, uh, including yourself, two are from Texas. Uh, one is from, uh, I believe, Alaska. He was on our show last week. Uh, so we had uh, him on the show as well. Uh, so tell us a little bit more about uh, the debate and, you know, what the setup's going to be, you know, things of that nature. And uh, we'll move on uh, with our interview. Go ahead, uh, so tell us more about the debate uh, at the end of this month. Sure. As as I understand, this is going to be the first third-party candid- uh, third debate that Idaho has hosted. Um, and... Basically, what they're going to do, it's not going to be the typical debate that you see, like, on TV where we're going at each other. They're going to they're going to put forth questions, and we're all going to have an opportunity to answer those questions. It's going to be about uh, basically getting the information out. Uh, you know, the Constitution Party understands that, that we people uh, want to know what our candidates actually stand for. We don't really... We're not looking for the arguing and the and the joking around and all that stuff. Some of that might go. I doubt it'll go on much like that. But but basically, they're, they're going to pose questions. We're each going to have a chance to answer those questions. They're not going to provide us with those those questions before the debate. So it'll be it'll it'll all the questions will be uh, we'll we'll hear them for the first time uh, during that debate. Uh, Basically, it's it's pretty simple. It's um it's gonna be a small scale kind of thing. They're trying to get national coverage. Uh, we'll be recording it and uh, and I'll be putting it up on YouTube afterwards in case you know it's it's not picked up on a national scale. And uh, it's going uh that's about all I can really tell you about it unless you have some specific questions. It's it's just gonna be questions and answers, and we're all gonna have a chance. Yeah, and I still got to get. Uh, speaking of questions, uh, I still got to get some uh, questions and some things to uh, Floyd Whitney, who's your uh, uh, chairman uh, of the Constitution Party there in Idaho, 
I need to, to, to like get all, get that to us and, and have a conversation on that. Um, and so when you were, you know, deciding, you know, to get into politics, uh, what, you know, what decided you to get yourself in the ring? Not necessarily, you know, running for president uh, per se, but just getting into the political arena in the beginning, you know, in the beginning. Well, the beginning for me started back in high school. Uh, I had a really, really good uh, U.S. government teacher, and uh, this guy really captured my interest. He actually, uh, by the time I left high school, I was uh, I was raised in California, and uh, when I left high school, I voted for Bill Clinton. I thought I was a Democrat. I, I bought into the the whole the whole idea of the what what he was selling. And uh, and as I as I started to, to actually watch C-SPAN and and watch the the different debates on the on the floor of the House and the Senate, I started to realize that uh, I didn't side so much with the Democratic Party. I sided more with the Republican Party. And now, as time has gone on, I found that uh, neither party is doing what they say they're there's we want them to do. And basically. Over time, I've become a frustrated American. I'm, I'm a patriot, and I love this country. I love what it's what, it, what it's founded on. I love our Constitution, uh, and I've served in this country. And uh, basically, I got to the point where I, I can't sit down anymore. I, I have to stand up, and I have to do something. Otherwise, I'm as guilty as everyone else out there that won't do anything about it. So... So basically, I got a passion, that's a fire that's burning inside me that uh, started from a young age, about 18, as I started, as I, as I aged, you know, and I started to see the discrepancies between, you know, you, they say they're going to do this, and they don't do this, and they have the chance to do what's right, and then they don't. I've seen, we, we've all seen it, and we're all fed up with it. And I'm tired of picking the lesser of two evils. You know, I would, I would love to say I was a Repu- I'm registered Republican. Uh, but I'm not a Republican anymore. This is not. I, I can't. I can't take that label upon me because they don't represent me. They're they're a party of, of of the same. They're the same as the Democrats. When I look at it, it's so. I uh, I look for a party. The Constitution Party seemed to be the most representative of me, uh, because I do stand for the Constitution, and uh, and I and I jumped in. Yeah, that's just, uh, no, and, and Virgil Goode was able to in 2012 get on 26 uh, state ballots uh, to be you know in the general election. Uh, what is the status of how many state ballots do you know uh, that the Constitution Party currently has for the general election in, here in 2016? Are you telling me we have 26 right now? Or are you asking me how many we have? No, I said you had yet. There, there was twenty. Virgil Goode was on the ballot for twenty-six states in two thousand and twelve. And my okay. question is: Is that how many states is the Constitution Party now in? Uh, if you know uh, for their ballots. You know, actually, the last I saw, and I'm, I'm probably if you're telling me twenty-six, I must be way off because the last I looked, it was thirteen. And I figured, okay, the only way to win and actually get elected is going to be through write-in write-in votes. I mean, it still would be, even with 26 states. But uh, the last I saw was 13. But if we got near 26, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, sorry, you know, on election day, he, he appeared on 26 state ballots. 
And well, here here it is. Uh, he was he was on 26 state ballots and was a yeah. write-in in an additional 18 states. So his name appeared, you know, on 40 uh, looks like 44 states oh, is where his name appeared go. in 2012. Oh, that's that's way better than I thought. I mean, I actually think I could win this, or any one of us could win this, uh, even with just having to do write-in. But uh, but it's better than I thought. That's great news. Yeah. So and, and you, we've had him on the show, but you know, a number of times. Uh, yeah, Virgil Goodon, and I think Clymer was his uh, his vice presidential candidate. I even got the. Uh, opportunity to meet Virgil uh, up there in Troy, Ohio. He was coming through there from Chicago when they were having their third-party debate uh, with uh, Joe Klein of the Green Party, and then there was Rocky Anderson from the – I can't even remember what party he was from, to be honest. Um, yeah. But there was also uh, uh, Gary Johnson of the Libertarian Party uh, when they were having okay. the debate there from uh, – by free and equal was was holding the bait there, and I think they had uh, um, Wolf Blitzer. Maybe I think might have been the the moderator there, if I recall correctly. Could be. Now, is there going to be anything? Do you know that's going to be set uh, like that? That's set up uh, for this year. Uh, I'm not really sure. I understand your question. Can you kind of summarize that for me? Well, sure. In 2012, they had a uh, you know an alternative or third party debate. Uh, that was held by Free and Equal, uh, which is an organization, you know, to free up uh, the political campaign, you know, pay campaigns for alternate parties. And they uh, they did a debate there, as I said, with those four candidates. Do you know if there's anything that works uh, for that type of debate this year, 2016? Uh, there are there are a couple debates that are coming up uh, that are going to be Skype type debates. Um, you know, because we're limited with Finances, we're not able to travel around like we'd like to. All this, you know, you got JR from from Alaska, and, and that's from it's it's difficult for us to travel around. So so what we're we've been agreeing to is to Skype debates or the blog radio type debates. Um, on the 22nd, we have a, a debate going on uh, through the Florida Constitutional Party, and and then on the 27th, we have a debate going on with the Maryland. A constitution party and I don't know exactly how they're going to have all that stuff moderated but it's going to be available you know on the internet okay and because I mean I mean this is a presidential primary okay and you're going to be you know on the debate stand with two folks uh you know two other candidates I got to ask because you know, there will be other folks who will be listening to the show, those who may be interested in the, the Constitution Party. What sets you apart from the other candidates, you believe? I think there's a lot of things that set me apart. For one, uh, I guess I'll start with some of the, the things that I think that a lot of us in America want. Is a uh, We want a, a commander-in-chief who's actually served in the military, and I have served. I've served as a medic. Uh, when the, the infantry striker brigade, I've deployed. I've, I've personally engaged the enemy. I've patched soldiers up. I've taken care of the enemy. I've been in Baghdad. I've been there 16 months. Uh, and then I've served as a nurse, um, also in the military and outside the military. I've, I've taken care of uh, 
you know, hospice patients, hundreds of, of dying people I've cared for. Also, I'm not a politician. Um, I think we're all tired of a politician. And basically yeah. what it comes down to, I am one of us. I'm willing to step up, and I am stepping up to uh, completely be transparent with with uh, the people of our nation, the people of the world in reality. I'm willing to be completely honest with everyone about anything in my past. In fact, I've I've put the call forward multiple times and even in my book uh, asking for anyone that knows me, has any personal stories about me, good or bad, if they feel inspired to share them, to share them with the people. And, and I'll back them up. I won't deny anything. I think there's more good stories and bad stories about me, but, but I'm human. You know, I've made mistakes, and um, but I think I, it doesn't matter. At this point, the most important thing to do is to step forward uh, and uh, and stand up for our Constitution, and I'm doing that. Um Basically, I've served this country in in uh, in ways that other Americans have served this country. You know, I've I've served tacos at Taco Bell, I've delivered pizza, I've, I've dug foundations with uh, with Mexican immigrants after the California uh, earthquakes. I've put roofs on houses. I've done finished working inside people's homes. I've laid tile. I've been married. I've been divorced. Kids. I've lost my kids. I've dealt with the immigration system. I immigrated my ex-wife. I immigrated her into this country legally and went through the expenses and the entire process of this thing, only to end up in a divorce after after the, my military service. I've seen the mm. flaws in those systems. I've lived in, in, in Southern California, and I've seen the influx of illegal immigrants. I've lived in Southern California. I've lived up in Northern Idaho. I've lived in Texas. I've lived in D.C. I've lived in Washington State. I've lived in Baghdad. I've lived in different areas across this country, and I've traveled here, and I have served. I mean, I'm, I'm known as a jack of all trades. I have had probably 30, 35 different jobs, like, I mean, different types of employment. I mean, I have paid my taxes. I've gone to school. I got my bachelor's degree in, in nursing. I'm a registered nurse, not just a licensed vocational nurse, but I'm a, I'm a registered nurse, uh, and I'm a godly man. I, uh, I'm a Christian, a Latter-day Saint. Uh, I haven't always been a saint, but I am. A, I, I try to live my life according to a higher standard, and uh, I go to my knees and pray to God every night and day, bless my food and, and pray with my wife, and uh, you know. And and I do have reason to repent, and so I do repent. And man, comes down to it, I uh, I just have a strong desire to serve my fellow man, and. You know, I, I said this before, is that we have one life to live, and we might as well make it the best story we can possibly make it. And and this is me doing it. I, I'm I'm stepping up. I'm I'm walking out of my shell and going, okay, here I am, everybody. I'm going to stand up and say the things that aren't being said. I'm going to say them loud and clear. I'm going to put them in bullet format in a book. I'm going to show all the violations that I can come up with that are that. That our that our government our government is is violating against us. I'm gonna put them in black and white, straightforward. Uh, you know, take it or leave it. I'm gonna put it all out there, and I'm gonna and I am going to represent the Constitution as best I possibly can. You know, let's see how it goes. I think I excuse the call. Yeah, let me make you let me make a correct. Yeah, let me make a correction here. Is that was uh, not Wolf Blitzer? That was Larry King. Who uh, was one of the mediators of that uh, uh, third party or alternate party debate? Ah, now, one of the things I mean, you, one or the other, right? I mean, 
Oh, no, no, I just want to be correct. Uh, so and, and you mentioned earlier immigration, and, and that's been a really big, uh, not so much on the Democrat side, but on the Republican side. Uh, sure. You know, that's been a big issue uh, with that. So what are your thoughts on uh, some of the things uh, that's been said during the, the campaign on the Republican side about immigration, namely when it comes to uh, when they're talking about banning uh, Muslims from, you know, coming to the border, at least for a time. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? This is my, okay, so I think, I think it's time to, to stop letting the media guide the conversation. And, Amen. and so these guys out here that are running, right, they're, they're putting, for one thing, they don't have a plan. They're saying, yeah, let's stop, let's stop Muslims from coming in. Yeah, all right, whatever. Let's, let's put up a wall. Yeah, all right, whatever. Look, this stuff, it takes a, it's going to take a comprehensive plan in order to fix immigration, and I've already put one together. For one thing, um, for one thing, we restore Ellis Island, all right? For another thing, we bring our troops home and we move them down to our border. Another thing, we put up a fence or concert in a wire where, it, where it's needed. We put up surveillance with our drones and with our air blimps and all this sort of stuff. We surveil it, create a no-go zone. And we defend it. We put our troops down there to actually say, hey, look, we're putting our foot down. You're not coming across here. You know, we, we, we infiltrate their tunnels. And then on top of this, we, uh, we deal with the problem that we have. We've got to triage the current immigration influx that we have, all right? So the, the people that have come in here illegally, we have to, we have to collect their biometric data. We've got to check their, take their iris scans. We've got to take their fingerprints. We've got to take a blood sample. We've got to take pictures of them. We've got to log them into the system so we actually can identify these people in the future. That's a big part of this is identifying these people. Um, as far as specifically Muslims coming in, right now, look, okay, we, I'm happy to bring in refugees into our country if they're true refugees, but let's, let's be serious, right? Who is the refugee? Who is the, what group of people is actually a refugee? It's the Christians and the Jews, and maybe the homosexuals and the atheists. It's those people who are the true refugees. Those are the ones that may die over there. If you're of the Muslim faith, yeah, you might not enjoy living over there, but that doesn't make you a refugee. So you guys go to the back of the list. What we need to do is we need to prioritize. You bring in the Christian refugees who are actually having their heads chopped off and their brains blown out. We bring them in, and we triage the system as we go. The, the, the people that we're bringing in from Syria uh, who are of Muslim faith, I'm not anti-Muslim. I went over into Baghdad, and I served the Muslim people over there. I went into thousands of these people's homes. I did soft interrogations with with our interpreter and with my first and second lieutenant, I, did, I was there present for hundreds, if not thousands of these. And i got to tell you, most of these people are good people. They have husbands and wives. They love their children. They live in a the house. They're very welcoming. But they're not the refugee. The refugee are the people who are being killed by the radicals over there. So until, we can, until the dust clears, we can't be bringing in you know, if, if 10% of the people we bring in of the Muslim religion are, are terrorists, we can't bring those people in. It's not safe for our country. We can identify a Christian. We can bring in Christians. Um, terrorists, though, you know, as we identify them, we need to lock them up. And we can't be releasing these people back to go and, and come across here again to fight us in the future. Uh, 
there's there's more to the plan, but but that's a piece of it. You know, no wall is going to fix the problem, and no single policy of just no Muslims into the country is is going to work. Um, we need to prioritize and and really go look. It's not about you being Muslims necessarily. It's about there's actually our country is hemorrhaging with with a, with an immigration problem itself. Uh, the Middle Eastern countries they have the means. We've been we've been spending our money over there for quite some time. They have the means to take care of their own refugees. They have empty refugee mm-hmm. camps there. So like it's not like we're doing something wrong by not letting Muslims come in here right now. In the future they'll come in right. But right now it's not safe for us. So instead of bringing them in and busting them into your next door neighbor's house, you know, instead of doing that right now, when, when we already have a, you know, Hispanic immigration problem, right. On top of bringing in these refugees or so-called refugees, you know, it, it needs to be, we need to, we need to, we need to stop the bleeding and then we need to prioritize. And, and once we've done that, restore Ellis Island for any future immigration and what that does is that creates a, a natural flow of resistance. So we can only squeeze as many people as we can squeeze through that island. You know what I'm saying? So we, we get assimilation mm-hmm. in this sort of uh, but, but I think it takes a comprehensive plan. Not I don't the think they're not really assimilating them. anymore, are they? No, not at all. And that's a huge problem. What is, if, we don't let the, if we don't also give time for assimilation, we're going to lose America as we know it. It's not going to be... It's not going to be America. We've already let, we've already let, uh, I, dare I say it, you know, we have a person running our country who doesn't have, he's not a natural-born citizen. If you define it the way that the founders defined it, both parents have to be citizens, and then their child has to be, so their child has to be born from two parents or citizens. Our current president, for, regardless of his birth certificate situation, his birth says he has a parent who's a national and one that's not a national. That makes him not naturally born, but yet this guy is now running our country. And what has this done? This has now opened up the door for the next guy. So now we got Cruz and we got Rubio, who both have the same situation, who want to be the next president. What? So next time, is it going to be two non-citizens who are going to run for president? Look, if we keep this trend going of putting the foreign nationals before our own people, we're going to lose it completely. And so it's time to stand up. And stand up for what's right. And, and, and we need to really realize what does the Constitution mean? The Constitution, we know what the Constitution, we know how to define the Constitution. Just yeah, because that. we're changing words and we're playing with it over time doesn't make it, doesn't mean it's changed. It, it still means what yeah. it meant when the founders said it. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, that's about where I'm at. Is that you, Kelly? Yeah. Yeah, we're back. Are you back? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not back. I'm trying to. I got a conference call going on. Sorry, I'll be back. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll mute your mic, buddy. Um, just <laughs> okay. And then, uh, yeah. And one thing uh, to go back, and then we do have John on the line. We're going to get John in here. Um, All right. Is uh, one of the things with uh, virtual goods. This is kind of a note. Two notes. Uh, one is that in 2015, November 2nd. Uh, looks like in an op-end on Breitbart.com. It looks like uh, Virgil Good uh, actually endorsed uh, the Republican frontrunner Donald Trump. So I, I find that yeah, interesting that, that, that Good endorsed Trump what? for the Republicans. What's up yeah. with that? What's up with that? Yep. How, how and then also, uh, from, real quick, and from one of our 
from one of our uh, folks in the chat uh, uh, called said that uh, she's going to look at a, a live or they're going to look at a live call from uh, the refuge FBI siege is happening now, and that's going to be something we're going to be talking about. I guess she's talking about Oregon, and so we're going to get to check that out. And uh, it looks like there's a YouTube video that I'll have to watch later, um, provide it, uh, and then we'll have that for we'll have that for Friday's show. Uh, but that's uh, happening now, so that's uh, kind of two updates. And so I do have, uh, they said we're going to get John on a little bit. But first, uh, Kate, because uh, you said you've been, uh, had some experience with the Constitution Party. Uh, do you have any uh, comments or questions that you would like to uh, say or ask our guest tonight? Well, I was very impressed with his, his talk. I, I think it's, um, he's a great guy. He's got the right ideas. And I think I did when I ran as a libertarian and another friend of mine who ran as a Constitution Party person. But I have seen too many times where the best candidate running as a third-party candidate takes votes away from the perhaps somewhat less best candidate that, that could really win as a Republican, and the worst candidate gets in. And that's why I have have changed to running the second time as a Republican, and I have been looking at the Republican candidates because I don't, while I don't like the two-party system idea, it just is so entrenched, and and there's just so it's so hard for a Republican to run as a Republican, much less somebody to break in as third party. I don't know. Um, you're the are you? Your name is Patrick. My name is Patrick is Anthony Okander. Pan Patrick. Anyway, did you read the Dr. Carson's book, A More Perfect Union? Because so much of what you are saying is in there. It's called the More guess, Perfect Union, what we the people you, can do to reclaim our constitutional liberties. I actually like Ben Carson quite a bit. I believe that he and I are talking to the same guy upstairs. Uh, yeah, I, I would do. love. I would love to have him as my running mate. Like, if he doesn't make it in this thing and he drops out, I would love to have him as my running mate. I think we'd make a, a great team. Um, I thought of that myself. But right? he, I haven't... He, I ha- I only want four years. Give me four years, and then I'll trade it off with my running mate. He can do four years, and then if it's, <laughs> and then after four years, I'll run again. You know, I don't need to do eight. No one needs to do eight years. You know, consecutive. You sound so but, much like Ben. I mean, he says the same thing. I've reached out when, to him. When he wins, he's, he's going to go for four years. Nobody needs eight yeah. years. Yeah, we don't. We, four years, right? If I do four years and then I step aside. That that leaves it in the future. If someone else gets in and jacks it all up, I can be like, all right, guys, I'm back if you want me. I'll do four more and we'll try to get this back, right? But but to do eight years in a row, I think is extreme. I think I think you're I think yeah. after four years, you you start to lose touch with reality. And right. You need to, well, that's you need why to that's why Ben is for term limits for Congress too, because those guys yeah. get in there forever and ever. And you can have the best congressman in the world get in there, but after they get in that Washington, um, oh, the whole arena or whatever, yeah, yeah, whatever you call it in Washington, the Washington, um, yeah. Anyway, when they get in there after so many years, they they change. They just see things differently. Yeah, something's going on there. There's an infection or something in the water. Yeah. 
there's something yeah, going yeah. on because we, we send them in there with like good intentions and they they come out going the complete opposite of, of what they said they were going to do when they went in. Well, well, even the ones that, well, they get in. Well, well, they get in. I mean, I, they get in, and then you know the the powers that be, the the more senior uh, politicians, and they're going to say, "Look, we know you came in. We know you got your own ideals. We got you got your own thoughts. What you want to do? But if you ever want to mm-hmm. see that, you know, if you ever want to be here again, you're going to follow yeah. our rules. Going to do what we want. And then if you do that, yeah. then we'll make sure that money flows into your campaigns." So that you can, you know, run again and, and stay here. But let's go ahead and uh, bring in John. Uh, thank you very much, uh, John, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Oh, I'm doing fine. That last part you were talking about made me think of Dave Bratt because yeah, he pretty much had that same similar situation where some of the senior officials in our Congress, you know, told him that same line and he said sorry gang i'm with the we the people that's who sent me here and that's who i'm going to stand up with Uh, what i wanted to touch base with first of all i wanted to ask patrick if he had a website for people that might be listening to this later or who might want to go more in depth on on all the other aspects of his his candidacy if he has that platform online anywhere then i have another question yeah thank you for asking i do have a website it's my name Patrick Okander, and I'll spell it because it's, you know, Patrick, P-A-T-R-I-C-K, and then Okander, it's O-C-K-A-N-D-E-R.com. And the cool thing is if you go there, you can uh, request my book uh, for free. I'll send you an e-copy of my book, and, and I would ask you if you got it and you want to send it to other people, you can send it freely. I'm not trying to make money. I do have a paperback for sale on Amazon, but but I'm giving my book away for free because I think it's, we need to get the message out there. It's not about it's not about money. It's about getting that out there. But, but yeah, my website. It's, I got my, I got 90 planks to my platform laid out there. I try to be as transparent as I possibly can, and and I really do hope you and others go there and check it out and and request a free copy of my book. Now, while I do have you where I can hear from the horse's mouth, so to speak, um, you sure. were talking about immigration. And I always hear people talking about immigration from the immigrant standpoint. But when I look around the country and my fellow Americans, there's like 47 million in some form of welfare. There's like mm-hmm. 50 million in, you know, unemployment or something. And when you look at the labor participation rate, about 62%, that means approximately 30-some-odd percent of them are either – part-time or or unemployed or on Social Security or something, they're not able to make ends meet, then how do you feel about stopping all immigration, legal and illegal immigration, until we, the people who are unemployed or underemployed, have a more just opportunity to get our resumes before the decision makers because you know the employers no person can force them people to take your resume and they can't force you to or you can't force them to give you an interview and you can't force them to hire you but they want to cherry pick around the whole world for the weak-minded psychological people that don't know their rights in america because the americans we the people usually will stand up for our rights and won't let them push us around and manipulate us 
but they, they'll bring these illegals in or even people on visas coming over for work or whatever, and then because they're not acclimated or is accustomed to the way that the United States works, they'll use them, manipulate them mentally, psychologically, intimidate them in order to get them to cheat and steal and thieve and stuff in their business, and they get away with it. And that's why more business... What? That's why we're having so many problems in America with all these different young people that's going to have to start... They're looking for a way to make a living and make life worth living. If they can't make a decent wage where they can actually go out and pay their own bills and make their own way, they're going to thieve. And we're seeing more and more of that stuff and more corruption in all levels of our society. And we, we just have to cut it off somewhere. So I was just curious how your immigration from the standpoint of we the people instead of from the standpoint of the actual foreigners coming into our country. You know, you hit on you hit on a, a bunch of different things I'd like to speak to. I don't know if I can hit on all of them exactly, but I mean as far as turning off the spigot to immigration, uh I think honestly, like I said, we need to stop the bleeding and we need to triage the situation. And so what you're saying is not a bad idea. I think it's actually it's something that we could definitely look at, and, and it, it's probably the right thing to do. Um, there's one, one caveat to that is that there are actual refugees, that these Christians and Jewish people who have been, uh, who are, are under the sword right now, and I think that they deserve uh, refugee status. And so aside from, from, from regular immigration, I'm still open to bringing Christian and Jewish refugees into our country, and not just because I just feel for these people, but because I believe we created this problem, just like with the Vietnam War. When we left Vietnam, we left all the Vietnamese people that supported our troops over there, we left them flapping in the wind. And I personally know people whose families suffered from that. Um, and I'll go into stories, but the thing is, is that it's a real situation. When, when we go in and we leave, we leave a vacuum. And we see the caliphate has been created over there. And if you imagine if you're Christian over there right now, I, I, I can't even imagine. Um, so I'm open to doing some sort of airlifting and bringing Christians and Jews to safety. Doesn't ha- doesn't mean they have to come to America, but I'm, I I want to help these people because we created this situation, or at least added to it. Uh, but at the same time, we need to get our troops out of there, and we do need to stop bringing other in new immigrants into our country because we can't deal with the ones that we have already. So I'm with you on that. With the $19 trillion in debt that we have and the physical debt, you know, the fiscal gap's over $200 trillion, and we can't even support the unemployed and the less fortunate, the, you know, people in our country now that are on welfare and whatnot. How are we going to be able to sustain the economic future with flooding the labor pool with even that many more people from foreign countries if we can't even take care of the kids, the people we have here now? And just as a side note, gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, yeah, real, real, real quick, just as a side note, ladies and gentlemen, uh, one of the things I liked about Virgil Gouverneur ran in 2012 uh, was one of uh, his stances, uh, part of his platform, so to speak, was he was uh, he talked about putting a moratorium on all, not just illegal, on all immigration, uh, both legal and illegal. Well, of course, they're only going up, but you know, until the uh, the real unemployment rate, I don't know if he said real unemployment rate, he might have just said unemployment rate, reached 5%. Uh, 
so that's something I definitely uh, liked hearing from him uh, back there in 2012. Something about hey, the, the unemployment. Go, well, hold on. Go ahead, Susan. Let's go ahead and bring Susan back in. Susan's got a comment. Um, I have a couple things. Um, first of all, you know, on the on the votes when we were talking it real, much earlier, I just found the quote, and I have been looking for it. Those who vote decide nothing. Those who count the vote decide everything. Iosef Vissarionovich, who hugs Vili, uh, I'm not sure, a.k.a. Joseph Stalin. I said that. So now we know where that's coming from. Now, when it comes to the party thing about, well, you know, you have to do Republican or whatever, uh, kudos to the gentleman for running, you know, where he thinks he can do best. Um, I don't. I guess all you know who Larry McDonald was, representative from Georgia, and um, he uh, was elected to Congress and represented Georgia's seventh district. He became the CEO of the John Birch Society uh, when Robert Welch died, and then he boarded Korean Airlines uh, 007 from New York City to Seoul, Seoul uh, South Korea. And it was downed by the Soviet MIG fighter jet over the Kalin Islands. Anyway, um, he's listed as missing in action. So were the 269 people on the plane. We all believe it was taken out on purpose uh, at the orders of our government, of course. Anyway, he, uh, when Dr. Ron Paul was considering running for Congress, he spoke to Larry McDonald, who advised him, run in the party you think you can win because he realized parties were irrelevant to see where you could be the most successful. And this person that quoted that said, well, I live, I can't be successful as a Republican, not yet. Uh, so he's going to switch to Republican to vote for Ron Paul in a primary. But, yeah, um, he can only win in the Democrat Party because if you live in a Republican-dominant area, you run Republican. If you live in a Democrat-dominant area, Run Democrat, but never stop supporting liberty-loving candidates, no matter which party you belong to. So I love that saying with Larry Donald. He was very good friends with Ron Paul, who left for a while because he was so devastated by uh, what happened to Larry Donald. They were both doctors. And I think that's just very good advice to run in the party you think you can win. It doesn't matter if you have a D or an R, as long as you adhere to a certain thing, um, and you, if you get voted in, you still adhere to that. So it 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 doesn't matter if you love liberty. And Ron Paul said the founders would be ashamed of us for what we're putting up with. For the country to get better, it needs more politicians. They aren't enough. We need a resurgence of churches, revivals, uh, through everything. You know, people need to change uh, what they're doing and uh, how they're living and what they believe in. And unfortunately, that is not happening. So um, I just thought you might enjoy that because anybody who does run in a different party other than the R and the D, or if you're a Republican, you need to run Democrat, kudos to you because I think you should. Um I myself have always voted third party except for Ronald Reagan. I I wrote in Morris the Cat once because both parties discussed me and I couldn't find another party I even knew or was that was years ago when uh Dukakis and uh 
grocery running, I looked at him and I'm like, oh, this is not a choice. There's no choice here. So I voted for Ross Pro twice. I have voted for uh, um, oh, Ralph Nader once. It was a rebellion vote, I know. Um, but I went along with it because he, and they blamed him for, <laughs> I think it was for Al Gore's loss. I'm not sure which one it was, but um, yeah. but I've usually gone third party. One 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 time I skipped. I just voted local. I didn't vote in the regular election uh, for federal government stuff. So that's my advice to anybody who's looking at running. You're saying? Can I have a quick question? I'm at, I'm, at, I'm at the website. I'm at the website right now. Um, and I just uh, was got a question for you. It looks a little familiar. Now, do you use the, use the Wix uh, platform for your website, Patrick? That's correct. <laughs> uh, I just say it looks familiar because I do too for uh, the, the show's website. <laughs> is it really? Yeah, I'll do, yeah. My, the, the website for the show is all obviously the the Wix platform. So I, I well, just, told, yeah, just some of the things that you on here look familiar. Hey, it works. Yes, it does. It's gone. Let's see. All right, I'm just uh, looking at something here. Um, I do see that it is 11:41 at about 20 minutes to the extended period. And for those who are new to the show, uh, that if you don't call in by the time the top of the hour, uh, then Unfortunately, your audio will be cut off, and while you will have the archive available to you, unfortunately, you won't be able to uh, hear or uh, even to participate in the extended period of the show. Hopefully, we don't get cut off like we did last week. I don't know what was going on. Maybe yeah. some of our NSA friends uh, uh, hacked us and, and turned us off. I don't know what happened with that. Um, <laughs> you know, but, my we might print, win some of them over. You never know. Yeah, that, that, that's where we're hoping one day. Uh, so maybe as uh, Danny Gray, when he was on the uh, panelist, uh, uh, would say it was uh, NSA Bob. Uh, maybe they didn't like. We were talking about how you know when it comes to the elections, you know you don't really hear a lot uh, of this on you know even your so-called conservative news. Uh, so this is one of the, the few places here on Bard's Logic you can hear that. Uh, but also, let's go ahead and, uh, what, you know, as I said earlier, I want to hear from the Patriot Journalist Network. So let's take a little time to hear from them. You're not just listening to a show. You're part of the powerful voice of the conservative conversation on Blog Talk Radio. Nothing worthwhile has ever been accomplished without teamwork. PJNet invites you to help make a difference by adding your voice to the team, grassroots, conservatives working together to take our country back. To find out more... Check out the PJNet hashtag and visit our website at PatriotJournalist.com. Let PJNet add our muscle to your hustle. We definitely, folks, check out the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.PatriotJournalist.com. And, of course, as well as the show's website at www.BardsLogicPoliticalTalk.com. And here on Blog Talk Radio, if you'd like to follow the show, uh, get some emails on what the upcoming shows uh, are going to be. If you missed the show, 
uh, perhaps uh, to get you to the podcast. Uh, there is a little follow button here on Blog Talk Radio. Push that, and you'll be able to get those emails. Uh, but also, if you'd like to contact me, the host, uh, there is a contact page on the website. Uh, just uh, fill it out there and uh, send me a message. And I'd really like to, to hear from you folks. Um, you can also uh, tweet out the different shows, things of that nature, uh, from the website as well. Uh, so we are still waiting to hear back from Kelly. I think what Kelly's doing uh, right now is he's getting some more information about our special edition. As you know, normally Bard's Logic is on Wednesday evenings, starting at 10 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, but this Friday we will have a special edition. may not be the full three hours, as we generally have here on the show. Uh, but we will be having a special edition on the what's going on there in Oregon. And right now it looks like there's actually an FBI siege going on as we speak. And so we'll be getting information and uh, reporting on that at the special edition at the same time at 10 p.m. Eastern time uh, this coming Friday. So uh, whether you're here tonight or if you're listening to the show through the podcast, uh, join us at the special edition of the show this Friday at 10 p.m. And so we do. I do see some callers on the line. If you would like to chime in to the show, uh, just push the one on your number dial. And if you listen to, once you listen to the extended period, uh, which will also be available on the archive or the podcast of the show, give us a call at 347-945-7428. And uh, you can also follow me if you're a Twitter user on the website, uh, on the homepage, uh, where you can uh, follow me on Twitter at the www.bardslogicpolitical.com. Uh, uh, so let's go ahead and bring it back to our guest. And I want to uh, ask this question, you know, especially with, with this year, uh, with I, I think a lot of folks in 2012 uh, did vote for uh, the third-party candidates just because they were tired of the establishment of both the Republicans and the uh, uh, Democrat side. And I've got some numbers here where Virgil Goode got um, vote-wise 122,001, and I guess that last one was my vote, um, nationwide, uh, of which uh, 4,675 of them were write-ins. Uh, which it did only constitute as 0.09% of the popular vote. Um, but there was also votes uh, out there for the other uh, you know, parties as well, uh, including the Green Party, the Libertarian Party, uh, and the American Party. Um, I don't really have those uh, numbers exactly what uh, those were of, of those different parties for that. But uh, what I'm getting at is, and uh, you know, I think it was either Susan or, or Kate that uh, brought this up earlier, is where people say you'll be a spoiler uh, for, let's say, a Republican candidate. Let's say, for instance, if Donald Trump was to get the nomination, uh, which in whom Virgil Good did, uh, you know, endorsement at least back in November, at least you know, as endorsing a Republican candidate, which is one of the re Republican candidates. Uh, the concern of this is kind of a two-pronged question. The concern of you know splitting the vote, I think, unfortunately, for third parties this year is I think, especially for those who would uh, go to vote for a third party, uh, who would vote from the Republican Party to let's say the Constitution Party, you know, they may be a little less apt this year uh, 
uh, to vote for a third-party candidate just because of the, the, the very thought of having Hillary Clinton as the president. I mean, I think there's folks out there who, on the Republican side at least, who are actually more concerned with a Hillary Clinton presidency than they were of a second Obama presidency, uh, in a second term of an Obama presidency. What would you uh, say to folks who would say, yeah, this time maybe not? And also, how would the, maybe not as now, but maybe in the future, or now and into the future, do you think that uh, parties such as the Constitutional Party can break the duopoly? Well, okay, first off, I think I think it's that way of thinking that's got us into this problem to begin with. And George Washington has warned us not to turn into a two-party system, and we've kind of walked into this. I think it's time that we, we vote our conscience uh, because the third party's not going away. It's going to get stronger and stronger and stronger till it tips into the favor of the will of the people. Uh, I would I would counter that Hillary Clinton, Bernie Sanders, uh, Donald Trump, and Ted Cruz are all the same. You might see some differences, but they're all the same. When we put, we've already history has shown us we put one of them in, we still get the same result. We think we're going to put some Messiah in there, and they're all establishment. They're all part of the same problem. They rub each other's backs and they do the bidding of each other instead of the will of the people. So you put you put Trump in there, he's a billionaire. I don't know about you, but he doesn't represent me. He's not God-fearing. So if he wins, to me, I, I see a major problem with any one of these candidates. Uh, you know, the only one I don't really see a problem with is Carson uh, so much, but he's not going to get the nomination. Um, so, I, so to the first part of your question, I think it's it's time to let go of that old way of thinking. I think we've been conditioned into believing that what you just said is true. If all of us get up and do our duty and actually vote, then the silent majority of us will will we will we will take the system back over. But until people get off the rears and go out and actually vote, uh, nothing is going to happen. And am I a spoiler? I would say that these guys are the spoilers. They're not, they're not good representatives of us. And so, you know what? I really, I really don't care. Uh, quite honestly, uh, I've tried doing the voting for the lesser of two evils, and it has not worked. Look at where we are today. This is what voting for the lesser of two evils gets you. It's still evil. And so, you know, it's time to let that go. I don't know if you're a God-fearing man, but some of your listeners I'm sure are. You know, when, when I go stand mm-hmm. behind before the government bar and, and God asks me, you know, who did you cast your vote for? Oh, the lesser of two evils. He's like, but you had these other options. He's like, yeah, but he didn't have a chance. I don't think that's a good excuse. And I think if, if we can start to just vote our conscience, the problem will, will solve itself. The, the Cruises, the, the Hillary Clintons, the Bernie Sanders, the Donald Trumps, they'll go away because we'll start to vote with our hearts and not with our, with our strategy of, oh, well, this guy he has no chance and this, no, no. People have, have given up on the whole system of voting. I also think we should get over to the popular vote, but that's a totally different subject. And your second question, uh, kind of hit it to me again. How would you say that the you know third parties per se, in in particular, specifically the Constitution Party, can break the duopoly? Oh, I think. Uh, 
this is what I think. I think we're waking up like in mass numbers, and I think as we use social media uh, and and that we're able to express our feelings and the truth to one and one another as we know it, and as we start to say, hey, you know what? They are the same. They're not represent these two parties up here. They don't represent us. Let's go for somebody else. As we start to shine the light like you're doing with me and with the other candidates, as we start to give exposure to the other candidates out there, people will start to have hope in the political process again, and this duopoly can be broken through us voting our conscience. And, you know, maybe it doesn't happen this first time around, but I actually think this election will be a, will be a history maker uh, for, for, for good or for evil. But something different is going to happen this election. I'm in it to win it, man. I'm planning on on a landslide in my favor, and that's going to break the duopoly. But I got to get the word out. People got to know that hey, there's somebody out here who's willing to give his life for this cause. I'm going to vote with him, and that's who I am, man. I do not care if they take my life. I'm going to do what's right all the way, all the way. I'm not turning back step of the way. I'm going all the way. They can take my life. That's the only way they're going to get me to stop. And so if the people can respect that and say, you know what, I'm with that guy. He's going to go all the way. I'm with him. That will break the duopoly. These people who are in control right now, they're, they're scared of us. If they weren't scared of us, we wouldn't have the NSA. We wouldn't have NSA Bob watching us and turning off our computer and using all of our RAM. You know what I'm saying? These people are scared of us. And it's time for us to, to show them they should be scared because they're about to get locked up. It's time to, for the whistleblowers to start standing up before they end up on the other side of the, of the, the prison cells. You know what I'm saying? Robert, we need to speak. We need to stop being afraid. We need to start voting our conscience, start voting with our heart, and start supporting the people who are doing the right thing. That's it. Putting good, honest people, and the problem will solve itself. This is John. Can I say something? Actually, John, you must have been reading my mind because I was getting ready to bring you in uh, to make comments on that, and then we'll bring it over uh, to Susan. Go ahead, John. Thank you, sir. All of these people in our government know exactly what they're doing, and they're not afraid at all because they have the power and the full faith and credit of the United States behind them to use the NSA, which I call the Nefarious Stalkers Asylum, against we the people, and they have For the now. legal right to do stuff. And they, they don't have the legal they, right. They, no, they trick you to believe that they have the legal right, but they don't have the legal right. And we just have to show that that is a lie. They do not. Like executive orders, there is no legal – executive orders are for within the executive office only. That's an administrative tool. Executive order is not a law. It's not legally binding outside the executive office. No, no okay. president can, can – you see what I'm saying? And, as an idealistic perspective, you're correct, 100%. But in the real-world practical sense of the way it works, they ignore you. There is no uh, – let me ask you this. All of our representatives, whether they be congressmen, senators, uh, presidents, or leaders you know, of the bureaucratic agencies, however many of them there are, what mechanism makes them, as a representative – accountable to advocate for us and live up to their fiduciary responsibility to advocate our will in the law and do us no harm. What mechanism holds them accountable? Voting doesn't. I mean, it's time for it. You got to basically speak up and tell the truth and not accept their lies as truth. 
if we're all silent and accept their lies as truth, we're part of the problem. Evil people don't care about the truth. Yeah, but but most of us are good inside. A lot of people are just scared, and it takes people like you and me to stand up and to have courage. Courage is contagious. So as you do this, people will stand up, and they'll start to have your back. And I would say these people are scared. If they weren't scared, they wouldn't be using the NSA to spy on you. They're concerned that we're about to wake up, and we're going to tell them, hey, the gig is up. Yeah, their orders come from Washington, um, and they should be coming from us. Yeah, I agree with the, your ideology. The practical reality is where it breaks down because the judicial the judicial system is in the back pocket of the trial lawyers and the politicians, and they know that it's a rigged deal. So in most cases, they can get they can get people off. That's why Hillary Clinton will probably never be prosecuted, but if Ted Cruz and or uh, anchor baby Rubio become our nominee, you'll bet some Democrat's going to take them to court and they're going to be strung up while the Democrat gets to run their nominee all the way to the White House. Yeah, it does seem that way, doesn't it? You're basically pointing out that corruption is so bad that it has to be purged. That's what you're pointing out. It's like it's gotten so rotten, there's nothing we can do about it, right? And you've basically lost hope. Is that what you're basically telling me? No, I haven't lost hope. I'm just presenting the situation to you to see if you have a mechanism or a means to get around it. That's how we figure out the solution is by talking. I've put together a pretty comprehensive plan. Um, I've written it all out in my book. I've identified the problems. And, and put together what needs to happen. Uh, to be able to summarize it in a second, I don't know if I could do that for you, but I could tell you if you put me as if you if you were to put me into office, I would surround myself with the most God fearing, constitution respecting attorneys and, and, and historians possibly find. People that care about this country and soldiers and uh um well, that's about it. I would put the best people I could possibly find around me to help start to flush the system. Because, there, you know what, I am not an expert in the Constitution, but there are very many experts out there like David Barton or John Kottmeyer. You know, you put a couple of those guys around you and keep increasing, you know, and you bring their friends in with you. You start bringing lawyers that are, that are lawyers to defend the Constitution who have gone to prison for the Constitution, you start bringing these people into the cabinet, and you start bringing them into, into Washington, these people know the mechanisms to do the things you're talking about. When we start to expose the corruption that exists by having accountability of the people who are in office and holding them accountable for, for when they break or keep, uh, keep their word or their oath, when we start to do this, the problem's going to solve itself. But you gotta, you, it's got to be flushed. We, we work from the bottom, and we work from the top. We put someone good in the top, and, and we as a people start to work from the bottom up. Um, you know, that's, it's, that's my hope. At the same time, we turn our hearts to God. We, we sanctify ourselves as individuals and ask for God's divine help. Because we, we can't do it alone. This is a huge, huge problem. And i got to be honest with you, man. You know, it's, we are being set up to collapse and you know, it, it's, gonna, it's going to be fixed one way or the other, ultimately. We're either going to do it the hard way or we're going to backpedal this whole thing. And hopefully we still have enough time to reverse it. 
here's one so, suggestion. Um, I, oh, go ahead. No, go, go ahead, John, and then we'll. Uh, one suggestion. You know, and then I'll bring in my comments. Go ahead. One suggestion that I'd like to propose to all of my fellow Americans is to contact all of our representatives, president, Congress, Senate, all of them, and let them know from here on out, because they've shown themselves dereliction and duty, no law is to ever be passed without the mutual mutuality of agreement by all legal United States citizens. So therefore, united we stand, divided we fall, you know, or Matthew twelve twenty five, however you want to look at it. Because a kingdom divided against itself will not stand. But also, if any don't provide for his own house and, you know, take care of his nation, so to, so to speak, therefore forsaking their faith, they also are basically labeled an infidel. So I'm just thinking, hey, if the government is supposed to represent all of us and they're supposed to have a fiduciary agent relationship with us to advocate our will in the law, then they can stop writing the laws without our will included. It's not that they're doing it. It's they're doing it without including our will. So if my will and your will and every other legal United States citizen's will is mutually and reciprocally enacted, codified and ratified into every law, then we all are equal citizens, and we all have equal standing of unity in self-determined governance. Otherwise, they're embezzling your property right, which is self-determined governance, by fraudulent misrepresentation and extrinsic fraud, depriving you of your rightful property of self-determined governance. So no laws from here on out get passed by for Congress without the mutuality of agreement by all legal United States citizens. They won't pass I would add to that. I would add to that and say it's time that we start putting expiration dates, sunsets, so to speak, on every one of our laws. You, you imagine how many laws are on the books today? That it's no, I can't so, imagine. Come on. I can't imagine either, right? Let's start expiring this stuff. And then what's left, things come to a sunset. If they're important enough for us to keep, then, then the House and Senate can go ahead and pass it through, pass a resolution, and they can extend it. Otherwise, that thing expires. We can't keep all this stuff on the books. It's time for, to, for a serious purge of bureaucracy. And, and, yeah, man, I would like to see more power to the people. For one thing, when we cut the ties of all the federal federalism that we have right now and push that stuff onto the states, that's one way of, of, of beginning to go in the direction you're talking about. I have I have laid out quite a quite a bit on my uh, in my platform. I hope you take a look at it on my website or in my book. Um, it, it'll answer a lot of the questions and, and it speaks directly to some of the things you're bringing up right now. So I appreciate you you you, you shedding light on that. So what I mean, we've asked this was asked this for a while, you know, and I know you know we say well educating people things of that nature, but it, I mean it's going to take. Uh, you know, I think it, it almost happened uh, with the Tea Party. It almost happened with um, the Occupy Wall Street, you know, folks, things of that nature. That's, you know, that's on the other end. But I, I think it's going to take a, just a massive movement to get something, especially if we're looking at, you know, breaking the duopoly, uh, you know, to, to be able to do that. I mean, what is it going to take besides 
besides the government declaring, and, and who knows, maybe after we hear some of the stuff uh, what's going on in Oregon tonight and our uh, show this coming up Friday, and maybe we'll have more about those conversations. But unless the government, and, and I don't think this likely, I mean, I know some people think it's more likely than not, you know, you know, says we're going to have, you know, martial law or something of that nature. Uh, I just don't see where the people are going to, there's going to be any kind of uprising unless something that dramatic, uh, because what they're doing is they're doing it so slowly, so incrementally that we don't, we don't really realize it. And, and we're so busy with, you know, just taking care of our own lives, taking care of our own. I mean, to, to, you know, two-income families and a lot of families here. And, you know, some of us work in one-and-a-half jobs just to, you know, be able to provide a good, uh, you know, good for our families, you know, and education and things of that nature. Uh, but we don't have time. We don't need to be able to, to look at and pay attention to all what the government is doing. And so they're doing it in, in you know, slow increments that we're really kind of – I don't want to use the term lulled to sleep because you hear that a lot – but but to the point where we're so busy we just can't keep track of everything. Keep track of all of it. You know, we just can't follow it. We can't you know, what's the time to do that because we're too busy trying to, you know, you know, make money and, and, and make lives for our families. I mean, so unless something like a martial law or something, you know, that's gonna be so unexpected, you know, and so you know, out there and not behind the scenes that I, I just don't think it's it's gonna be something that's going to get that mass movement, how do we get that mass movement, which in my opinion uh, needs to happen in order for, you know, such a, a, a drastic change? You know, how does something go viral? You know, it, it just takes that right spark. Uh, and, and yeah, you're right. It, it, one of the scenarios I see coming, you know, it, it's, it's either we're going to hit that tipping point and it's going to turn into the, to the worst chaos we, we've ever known. We would never have seen any chaos as bad as it's going to get. Or we're going to wake up and have our own American spring, a peaceful American spring where the will of the people says enough's enough. We demand our government back. You know what I'm saying? We demand our constitution be respected. There's a couple ways it can go. But if, if we, it starts with each one of us, you know, you have to reach out and affect the sphere of influence that you can influence. And you're doing something right here. You're talking to me on here. And, and, and everybody who's listening to this has to affect that sphere of influence that they can affect and then ask those to continue it and continue it, the whole ripple effect. And eventually the word will get out. It's my hope. The word will get out and, and maybe it will take some martial law or something worse, but, but hopefully it doesn't take that sort of a thing. Hopefully it, it turns into a viral thing and we spark the hope inside our hearts and we demand that, uh, that we be set free. That's what we are. We've been shackled. And it, it, enough's enough. This is not America. And, and it's just, we'll, we'll bring Susan in shortly, but uh, let me ask this because, you know, I wonder sometimes is that do you think that I mean, it's kind of a double-edged sword. I, I think social media, such as your, you know the Facebooks and Twitters, and, and things of that nature, whereas you know people, you know they they feel like you know they're doing something and they're and they're being heard and, and things of that nature, you know, by making a post or sending out a an article. So I mean, some of those things can be helpful, things of that nature. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, and, and getting information out to a lot of people in short periods of time. I mean, I think social media has done great with that. But I think uh, social media has also, in a way, limited activism in, in a way that when now all you got to do is type something in and push some buttons and maybe feel like I, I've done something. You know what I yeah, mean? True. Uh, I mean, and, and you see it. It's like, well, people will, will will like a comment or like a post or like a link or or something of that nature. But I wonder how many people actually go to that link, to that article. Oh, they they see the headline in the article and they may not even read it. They may like it because they know what the article says. But I do wonder whether they actually read the article or do do they do some you know do they see it and then actually act on it? Like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. I need to you know. Yeah, we could share the link with people and things of that nature. But I wonder yeah. how much uh, call to action, I mean, actual yeah. action uh, that yeah. is out there to, you know, be more participatory uh, in doing something that, you know, in addressing these, these different problems and things we have. I mean, you're kind of talking about the kind of the, the, the darker side of the situation, which is, you know, the apathy, you know, and, and – and yeah, the apathy is going to kill us if we don't actually speak, if we don't actually do, if we don't actually unite, if we don't actually read and learn, and if we don't actually register to vote. You know, I, I don't. I can't even say that voting is, you know, going to save our day. You know, uh, I mean, you make a really good point. I don't know that I have the answer to that. All I have is is hope. I got a message. You know, I got a I got a book. And I got a voice, and so I know what I can do, and I know that the, the there's a God inside of each one of us, and we're more powerful than we think. And so if if we just kind of keep that hope alive, if we pray, if we do something, um, maybe it'll help. Robert, can I chime in again? Oh, well, let's go ahead and get Susan an opportunity uh, to chime in, and then we'll bring her back in, John. Susan? Yes. Yeah, let's go ahead and uh, get, get your take on, on things, and then we'll bring John back in. Go ahead. Oh, I, I, I didn't mean to not let him in by you coming to me, but um, I'm really enjoying this. And uh, I don't have, like I said, an issue with anyone running third party. So it wasn't me that was saying he or someone shouldn't. Hi. I enjoy it. I think we need George Washington did not believe in uh parties and uh I think we really should just take the labels off and let people just run. Right. And the sad thing is we haven't done that. We just insist on the um pigeonholing people. And I, I don't like it. I mean the Republicans telling Donald Trump he can't go third party, you know, and this and that and the other thing. Well, bull roar. Who says? You know, I mean, that's as bad as the Democrats saying that. But um, anyway, I, I'm enjoying just listening to these guys talking. Uh, well, we Kate, uh, when Kate brought up something uh, important, and hopefully, uh, Kate, you listen to uh, the rest of the show through the archives. Uh, tonight or the podcast uh, that's being recorded now is that you made up, um, you know, talk about Ben Carson. Ben Carson made a, a 
a good part uh, point during one of the um, one of the debates. So I wish I had the audio clip, and I, and I may, but uh, I'm just going to paraphrase here. Is that one of the things Carson said is that um, you know we're always at war. You know, it's just you know the United States has been at war for 200 of its 256 years of inse- since inception. Um, and I think we, the people, and, and I definitely want comments uh, from you, John, and, and you, Patrick, and Susan, and, and Kelly, when you bring back, I think he's uh, get, gathering some information for our show on, on Friday. But I think that we are so ingrained in our being to be at war with something. Peace is something I think we rarely find. I, th- I mean, I'm not going to get theological, so I- I'll skip that part. I was getting ready to, but I'm, I'm going to ah, skip over that. Man. But I say, well, well, because well, it's and you know, with my friends here, is you know, I'm the pagan of the group, so you know, I think that there's a lull towards spirituality because we have so little peace in our lives. We have to actually try to go out and find it in a religion or, or something of that nature, or with God or whatever as people want to do, because I think it's so ingrained in us to be at war with something, to be battling with something, to be, to, to something's divided. And so I think our political, I mean, not just, not, I mean, it's all across the world, but I think it's even more, more so that there's always sides, you know, in, you know, in, in our politics and our being, because we've always been us against them. There's always been the United States against somebody. And, and what Ben Carson pointed out, We've always been at war. It's 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 kind of like it's in our blood. It's in our culture. It's in our being. Okay, and so now that's why maybe a multi-party system or a no-party system isn't going to work in the United States because if we're you know if we're a Republican or we're a Democrat, which might, you know, or and becoming more and more independents, but we have that person we're opposed with. We have that side. We have that opposition. There's always opposition, you know, and, you know, there's always that war. And I think that's – it's so ingrained of us. That's why we're having such a – you know, one reason, you know, I think it's – we're having such a hard time moving ourselves out of it. Uh, We're so used to being at war, you know, and now this is just – you know, the politics is just another, you know, another type of war. I think there's actually a quote out there that says, you know, um, politics is just a war with words or something of that nature. Um, mm-hmm. so, you know, let's go ahead and bring it uh, to you, John. What do you think of, of, you know, what do you think about, you know, what I just said there? And I know you wanted to make some comments on, you know, what Patrick said, uh, but what's your take on that? And then we'll bring it to, to you, John. I mean, I'm, I'm back to you, John, and then you, Patrick, go ahead. Uh, well, I think, um, what you're just saying, Robert, and just from a different perspective, as a human being, at least in my small world uh, circle of influence, we tend to have this "I'm in, I'm going to control everything" mentality, and we don't understand that the same level of control that we want for ourselves, we have to show the same dignity, respect, and due consideration to our fellow man, and we don't know where that line is, and so therefore, in our pursuit to control everything that in you know, impacts our own life and influences us, we are actually stomping on the rights of our fellow man to 
be able to control the things that and that's why I was bringing up earlier about mutuality of agreement on governance because governance is all about relationships and how we treat each other, how we relate to each other, and that's pretty much what the scriptures are all about if you want to look into the details of how we, you know, don't lie to each other, don't steal from each other, don't bear false witness and this and that, don't cover your neighbor's wife or, you know, donkey or whatever. And it really boils down to when you love your enemy and you love your neighbor as yourself, you show them the same due consideration, respect, and dignity that you expect for yourself. In other words, I don't encumber you. I don't burden you. I allow you to decide for yourself what encumbers you and what burdens you, but you do the vice versa the same to me because our Declaration of Independence and our Constitution is predicated on all of the bloodshed and war that came before them. And then our founding members of our country, they sat down and meticulously had debate and discussion after discussion and deliberated for years hundreds of thousands of hours to get the documents the way they are. So therefore, too many times, we the people don't really under, we're still learning how to um, let our fellow man have control over the things that impact their life and also control the things that impact our life. And we just don't really understand where those limits are and how to deal with all that. And we work through it as we grow and we have these kind of deliberations and and, and uh, conversations. And our Constitution and Declaration of Independence, are they are agreements. They are covenants. I mean, the Declaration of Independence ends with we mutually pledge our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. And that means that every one of the people were willing to put themselves in the same boat of, hey, I'm going to defend this to the end, that I'm going to look out for my fellow man, and I'm going to look out for me in the process. I'm not going to run rough shot over my fellow man. He is equal. And, that you know, our, we're all treated equal, endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, including the life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And under the pursuit of happiness, we also have the freedom of contract, the freedom of conscience, and the freedom of association. The freedom of contract is predicated on the due process of law. Now, if I don't allow you to have your will enacted, codified, and ratified into law, then I've just circumvented your right to due process of good faith negotiations, good faith bargaining, mutuality of agreement. I've rendered you a slave because I've written my will into law, and I've now made you obligated to the will of me through law, and you are my legislative slave because I did not allow you the same reciprocal and mutual benefit of your will being written into law. Make sense? Make sense, yeah. <laughs> yes, it does. Very well said. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I um, My take on the situation is that uh, what you said is right, and we also have we the people have trusted our politicians over the years for too long without checking them. And while we've done mm-hmm. that, the enemy, we've let the enemy in and the enemy has let all of his friends in. And that has led to false flag events, which have led us to wars that didn't need to be fought. And now we have an enemy that wants to totally destroy us and war is at our door. So even though we want to get away from war, we're, we're, we're we're, we're trucking the war into our own nation. 
so it's like it's it's a circle that just doesn't seem to want to end. So, yeah, so yeah that's for sure. I mean, it, it, and I've said, and I've said this on many shows, um, especially when these topics come up, you know, and you know, it's just it's just baffling. Okay, how, and I'm I'm trying not to say something that kind of mimics a a Beatles song because I don't like the singer nor do I like the Beatles. Um, <laughs> but I was going to say, just imagine, but I hate that song and I don't like the Beatles. But um, but you know, it's just baffling on how much money, how much resources, you know, how much time, effort, blood, treasure. Uh, that we spend on on war and things of that nature and, and defending ourselves and unfortunately killing others in order to defend ourselves. It just makes me wonder where humanity could be technologically um, mm-hmm. and, and maybe even, you know, but and anatomically, things of that nature. You know, if we could just spend our, re- our, our time, our resources. I mean, how much uh, more technology would we have? How further out into space would we be able to go? You know, things of that nature. If we didn't have to spend so much of our resources on, you know, the machines of war, it's just yeah. it's amazing. You know how how much focus we have to uh, to do. You know to do that, and it just where could we be if we didn't have that? Um, you know, we have to deal with that. I I just wonder that all the time. Yeah, I wonder it too. I do think of the Tower of Babel. You know, and I do think about, you know, I, I do go biblical on it, and I start to think about what people do when they have peace and prosperity for a long time, and they end up becoming really, really wicked, and then God comes down and crushes them, kind of thing. But, but yeah, I mean, if we could get past all the wickedness, and we could just love each other and, and live in peace and harmony, we would be amazing. And uh, hopefully, you know, uh, I, I guess I'll, I'll just end it on this, at least on my side, is that... Uh, Jesus Christ is coming back, you know, and when he comes back, we're going to have that sort of uh, peace once the dust settles, you know, and and that is our future. We're going to have a thousand years of, of Jesus Christ ruling. It's going to be awesome. And uh, back to the election thing, I uh, get Susan here uh, on Facebook, uh, Susan Miller. Uh, was you know, asking about uh, how they don't doesn't understand how they arrive at the number of delegates. Is um, one of the ways to do it. Of course, they do it by percentages of you know what percentage they got you know, compared to how many delegates were available. But one of the things that I wanted to talk about a little bit um, uh, tonight as well is that there's people wondering, well, how can Clinton have as many delegates as? Uh, you know, she has, but it's super delegates. Because Bernie Sanders has been winning, but Clinton seems to be uh you know, beating you know, beating uh Sanders. Well, it's because the super delegates are going to uh go into Hillary. So that's uh that's what's happening there. And so I mean, once again I think it's, you know, the Hillary campaign. Uh, maybe trying to, or the establishment actually, uh, who were trying to overdo or um, or override, I should say, uh, the will of the people. So I hope that I hope that answers uh, your question for you uh, on that question from Facebook, Susan. Thank you. And that's a different Susan than the Susan we have 
uh, on our show. <laughs> That's right. different from you, Jesus. And so I do see, my gosh, we're almost at the bottom of the hour uh, into our third hour. Uh, so it looks like we only have about, I'd say, 20 uh, minutes, whereas uh, before I'll have to uh, shut things down. So we're just going to uh, keep a time on that. I do see a couple more people on the line uh, who would, uh, if they'd like to chime in, uh, just push the one on the number dial. And I see some others who uh, they want to chime in as well. Uh, but if you're out there, just give us a call. I guess it's actually it's in the extended period, so we unfortunately we can't <laughs> take any more uh, calls from this evening. But for those who uh, are on the line uh, and you'd like to chime in, just push the one on the number dial and I will get you into uh, the show. Uh, we don't have a lot of time left, but we can still hear from you uh, as well. And so, you know, since we only have, uh, you know, that limited amount of time, is there any specific topic, uh, this is usually the last question that I ask from, you know, the interview for our, our guests, is, that, is there any particular topic uh, that you feel strongly about uh, that's part of your campaign, part of your platform, Patrick, uh, that we did not discuss tonight that you would you know, like to make sure gets out there uh, to the people? Uh, there's a lot of things. I'll, uh, I'll talk one thing about, uh, about traffic law, and I'll talk another thing about something hopeful. Um, one thing is uh, there's the ability for, uh, for the president to use uh, interposition as a sort of a shield to protect uh, uh, the American public from unjust, unconstitutional laws, and uh, I don't. And so, I think we've all begun to notice that uh, getting tickets on the road is about revenue for the city and the state rather than safety of the people. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. Yep. I think we've all noticed it. Now, I believe that pocketing uh, the American people or stop allowing our people to be pickpocketed. We talk about employment being important. We talk about taxation and reduced taxes or fair taxes being important. But we're also being, being fined and feed to death. Uh, duplicate taxation of our things we, the things we buy you buy a car, you pay taxes on it, then you sell it, and the next person pays taxes on it, and it goes on and on and on. You know, that thing's been taxed one time. That's all it should be. We shouldn't be increasing this revenue. That sort of thing is, is, is stripping us from, from the hard-earned dollars that we've earned. So, so things like taxation, duplicate taxation needs to be squared away. We need to use interposition to outlaw that sort of a practice. The, 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 the policy of allowing our law enforcement to seize people's property and then directly profit off it has to end. I'm calling for an end to the war on drugs completely. I believe all substances virtually need to be made legal for people to, to use or abuse if they choose. And I've got an entire, entire, I understand there's a way to do that safely. I'm not saying just unload it on everybody and make it so all, all of a sudden, but we need to end the war on drugs. It's, you have a constitutional right to do to your body what you want to do, and I believe the war on drugs needs to be ended. That's going to save us some money and revenue, and it's also going to protect your right uh, you know, to your, your property and to, to not have your house and your car illegally seized and uh, you know, searched and all this stuff. Um, 
I believe it's a basic human right uh, and maybe even part of the pursuit of happiness. I also um, I also want to go into, uh, you know, like, well, I guess just one last thing on that is, is immunizations. People have a right. As a parent, you have a right to decide what immunizations your child receives or what, what immunizations you I agree you with receive. that one. Right. We need to Thank start you. establishing... Okay, we need to establish that the, that the human body is sovereign to the individual. You have a right to self-determine how your life goes, and even if it's to your detriment. You know, we, all the information is out there, and it can be made available to you, but you have a right to either crush your body or, or to make it great. Okay, so, so there's that whole aspect of my campaign. It's about freedom of, of choice. And then there's, um, as far as the money we do spend on technology and things like that, like, look, right now we got NASA. We got DARPA, we got Skunk Works, we got Area 50, we got this Area 51 thing going on. You know, imagine if we put those all together and they all started working together. Imagine, I'm sure DARPA has some technology that NASA could really use to help them in their space exploration, you know, and vice versa. And what about releasing this technology into, into, the, public, uh, into the public sphere? You know, I remember Back to the Future, right? Didn't they promise we'd have flying cars by today? Yeah, by 1985, actually. So quite some right. time ago. <laughs> right. Look, I've done some pretty extensive research into these. So 2015, fuels. 16, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I think it was like this year or last year. So the thing is, is there is technology, emerging technology, and technology that's been held back from us for whatever reason that needs to be released. When we talk about this huge debt that we're in. Right, electric cars. What about hydrogen-powered cars? Our, our, our government spent a billion dollars, gave GM a billion dollars during the, the, the Bush Part Two administration. They gave GM a billion dollars to research hydrogen fuel cell technology. They successfully came up with a hydrogen car, and then they, they threw it away. Look, hi, we have the ability now to split the, the to, switch, to split the mo water molecule with microwave energy. Uh, so you got water, right? H two O. You got hydrogen and oxygen. You split that with microwave technology, with, with microwave, with microwaves efficiently, and you end up with a combustible material, combustible gas. And then what's your emission? Your emission's water. Look, this technology's here already, and and we're not doing anything with it. Uh, we are in a massive amount of debt, but if we start to apply this technology in our businesses, we start to capitalize on it. You imagine what we could do. We could actually be out of this pretty easily. Uh, but that's okay. So there's another aspect of of of, of my of my campaign is is to start utilizing the technology that we have and start giving it back to the people. Um, uh, we need to put an end to the UN. We need to step out of this thing. This is the UN is not. They do not have our interests uh, at heart. You know what I'm saying? We spend most money there. Yeah, and the UN. Uh, uh, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I could go on and on. I believe, you know, I am a nurse. I'm a medic. Um, I've served in many hospitals, both on the military side and on the civilian side. Uh, I've got, I believe it's time for, for pa you know, like a patient bill of rights where our patients get fair estimates before they go into the hospital. We're, we repeal the Health Care Act. You know, this is a tax so we can untax the people. This is something that we all think we didn't really want, and it's not turning out how we want it. So let's undo this, this Obamacare sort of thing, right? Oh, I could go on and on, brother. Um, I, I really hope your your listeners will take a look at my at, at my website, pick up a free copy of my book. 
or if they want to support me, buy the paperback. But but I've really I've really looked at this the situation that our country is in from from so many different angles. And and I like I said before, I don't want to overdo this, but I'm a God fearing man, and and I've gone to God with this stuff, and and I've, I've tried to work within the, within the confines of the Constitution. I tried to to address and recognize the the areas of our of our life that has been uh, um, violated by unconstitutional laws, and and I've sought to put forth solutions that I think are fair, that are that are constitutional, and that are going to help us all uh, recover from this. Um, and I guess my last thing I'm going to say is is I'm just going to speak to the prison system. I think I think our current uh, system needs to turn more into a rehabilitative type sort of thing instead of just an incarcerative thing where we just put people in there to turn into worse criminals. Um, and the criminals that we do put in there uh, that need to stay in there would be things like pedophiles, violent rapists, uh, you know, kidnappers, uh, and, and jihadists. You know, these sort of people, they have a high recidivism rate. We, we can't let these people out again to do what they've done to other people again and it's not that I that I don't care about the, these individuals that are, that are pedophiles or rapists and and jihadists. It's just that I care about the innocent people a little bit more. And so I think it's time that we stop this catch and release thing that we got going on. Uh, these violent offenders, and, and I'm not saying that murderers can't recover, but I am saying rapists and pedophiles and and jihadists. I don't think they can recover. And so it's time to start looking at permanent incarceration for some of these people on the first-time offenses. Um, and, yeah, and drug, drug users, they need to be released. We can offer them, you know, rehabilitation and this sort of thing. But end the drug war. Let's, 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 let's release people from our prisons as much as we, as we can on a constitutional basis, those that have been in there to recover and return them to society where they can actually, uh, you know, thrive and help society. I guess that's okay. We do have. Uh, oh. We have only got about uh, 15 minutes left, so we do have uh, Kelly. He's going to be getting back in line, but first uh, we have Bob who would like to chime in. Uh, thank you very much, sure. Bob, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? All right. You am I up? Yes, oh, Bob. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Well, all right. Well, no, I just want to throw out this 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 post I've seen from uh, Fox News. Obama orders under God removed from Pledge Allegiance. Okay, I don't know if anyone else has heard this, you know, seen this post, or, you know, if, if there's any, you know, validation of it. What do you think about that? Do you remember when when uh, Democrats were voting about removing God or keeping God within their platform? Do you remember them voting on that? Yes, I do. For chance. Mm-hmm. It sounded like they, yeah. they wanted God stripped from their platform, right? But they still can't yeah, remember. That. remember. Yeah. yeah. Well, this guy obviously wants to strip God from our country, and I am totally against that. I believe it is God's land, and so we need to respect God. So, obviously, whatever this guy does while he's in here, it's going to get undone when I get in. Um but unless we can get him out now, you know, I would love to get him out yesterday. You know, I believe this guy is going to have his day in court. Well, I will bring him to court, and he will have to he will have to account for for what he's done. 
And as far as his executive orders go, it kind of goes back to what I was saying before. Executive orders are only applicable within the federal government. It's a federal employee thing where they make rules for the employees. And it's been twisted and turned from since FDR on. It's been twisted by our president to be turned into something that is not. It is not law. And I don't know, mm-hmm. can he remove under God from our Pledge of Allegiance? I don't think he can, but unless people realize that he doesn't have the power to do this, he's going to do it, and then temporarily, and then we're going to fix it. You know, and well, no, he'll, with, he'll do it if he can get away drunk. with it. Yeah, you're right. You know, and then, and like you say, it'll have to be front-page news, and then, you know, people yeah. in the news media will be saying, oh, well, you know, we're debating with Obama, you know, and it's like they'll they'll throw the race card, you know. Yeah. Yeah, they've been trying to do that for years, though. You know, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, just, I'm all against it, is what I am. I'm totally against taking God out of our country. God needs of to course, be that's what we were founded on that. It's true. Moses is sitting in the seat of in the the seat of judgment on the Supreme Court in uh, in D.C. Moses is up there in the up in the top of the of the of the stat of the, of the yeah, that's Supreme right. Court. So, you know, if we got Moses up there, right? Yeah. But obviously, God is part yeah, of our country. Yeah, even, uh, yeah, and even a paganist myself can, can see that, um, you know, regardless of whether I subscribe to it or not, uh, doesn't erase the fact that, and, and frankly, people who, who come to the show, uh, regulars of the show know that, you know, I do not. But still, I mean, one cannot, one does not have to be a, a believer to, uh, concede to the fact that, you know, the United States was based off the, uh, you know, the Judeo to Christian values. And so, you know, a lot of, of what the country is based on that. So in a sense, uh, you take that out of, um, you know, the creator of the United States, then, you know, you're, you're definitely changing as Obama put fundamentally changing the United States. And now we got another candidate in Sanders. Let's be honest, Clinton too, uh, who wants to continue on with what Obama said, uh, but let's go ahead, um, and we, we we do want to hear some more from you, Bob, and and because unfortunately yeah, okay, we we'll got bring about. Yeah, uh, okay. I know you're running out of time. Yeah, running out of time, and he's probably got a, a report for somebody he was looking at for this coming up Friday. Uh, so Kelly, go ahead. We've got you back on the show. Well, thank you. I'm glad that we have a presidential camp uh, <clears throat> candidate on the line with us. Um, who who would you have for attorney general? I would probably put John Kottmeyer in the seat of uh, Attorney General right now, if I could. This man oh, wow. has, okay. has you, are you familiar with him? No. He's a constitutional law authority. Uh, he, he's a lawyer who has uh, has stood up for our Constitution. And uh, has, has I mentioned him earlier, he's had a gag order put against him without due process. This guy has put out uh, constitution uh, constitutional law courses. He's had his books uh, uh, removed from print, and, uh, and he's, been, uh, he's had court orders that said he couldn't say the things he's saying. I would put a man like this who loves our Constitution and who was willing to go to jail for it multiple times, I would put him in that seat if I could. He's 80 years old, wow. so he's getting up there. But if what's, not what's him, his name again? I, his name is John Kottmeyer, K-O-T-M-A-I-R. 
K O T M A Y E R. Uh, M A I R. Kottmeyer. I know it's kind of weird looking spelling, but John mm, Kottmeyer. Yeah, I'd love to look him up. John Kottmeyer, huh? Yeah, okay. yeah right. Up. I haven't heard of him, but sounds He's like amazing Mark man. Levin. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. Here's a question you know, or, for you. Um, with with the attorney general, um, would he block a petition to the grand jury? Would he block a petition for, to the grand jury? Would he block a petition to a grand jury? You mean like like our prior attorney generals have done? <laughs> yeah, the attorney general with <laughs> gatekeepers. Yeah, <laughs> this sort of a man. No, this this man's about due process. So no. I, no, I, I wouldn't put anybody in there that did what our last two or what our current attorney general is doing or our last one. Or, I mean, shoot, they, we've had a lot of bad ones. You know, it, I, w- I would not stand for somebody that does not respect the Constitution and, and due process. It's even towards me. I mean, you know, you, I need to be held accountable too. So, I mean, that's just the way I, the way I roll, man. I think our Constitution has to be respected, and we need to put someone in there who's serious about defending the Constitution. Well, you know what's amazing is uh, Nixon went through, I think it was the fourth attorney general, who finally got to a grand jury over Watergate. March 1st, 1974, the famous Watergate 7 indictment came out after the Mm -hmm. Justice Department, run by somebody else, said, oh, there's no wrongdoing by the White House. Uh, Indictment came out, even... uh, um, former attorney general um, was was indicted. And uh, so then August comes around and Nixon had to resign because that's, um, that's what it should be. It was when the attorney general even goes after the president and his cabinet. <clears throat> and uh, there was a – when Eric Holder resigned, a congressman wrote that all Eric's done as the department – or as the Justice Department was to protect the Obama administration – Exactly, he's obstructed justice oh, yeah. the whole time. Yeah, no, it's yeah. an obstruction of justice. It's insane, yeah. is what it is. And, and, well, and it, does it baffle it, your mind that we're still watching this all go on? How is it possible under our system, right? But they oh, yeah. they let the look. We let the bad guy in, and the bad guys let all of his bad guy friends in. And now these guys, it's like a cabal, man. It we got to flush it out. It's what it's going to take. Well, well, what's fascinating about the Fifth Amendment is if there's no grand jury indictment or presentment, you can get away with murder. Ted Kennedy did with the, at Chappaquiddick. The judge sealed up the evidence, no grand jury yep. indictment. That's how he got away with Chappaquiddick. And so the Fifth Amendment, when there's no presentment or indictment, it protects people, and that's what the Attorney General, Eric Holder, and now the new one, Laura, um, what is it, Laura Lern, is it Loretta Lynch. Lynch. Yeah. Lynch, thank you. Loretta Lynch. Um, and so you can protect the president as the attorney general by blocking any petitions to a grand jury. That's why Trey yep. Gowdy was screaming when it was Benghazi. He was screaming independent counsel on the House floor, yep. independent yep. counsel, independent yep. counsel. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's that the reason. That is, yeah. <laughs> There's a reason why why Donald Trump is, like, you know, doing very well. It's like people feel like the Department of Justice and law and like Hillary Clinton and the Clintons and and other people, politicians, they get away with literally murder. So they get disgusted, and that's why they say, forget about it. 
I'm not going to even go vote. I'm so pissed off. And this is this is the problem that we're facing. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, hey, I want to ask you. Uh, I want I want to ask you if I can get in touch oh. with John Kopmeyer. The reason I ask is because I wrote a book about the grand jury, and I've seen the games of the gatekeepers. I've come across Amicus Curia, write a petition, all the stuff. I figured out a crack in their armor to get through. I just need somebody who is loving the Constitution, and he may have heard of this. I just go way deeper. I will. I, I I'll, link you up. I'll link you up with him. Go to my website, right? Mention that we talked on here, and uh, like go to the go to the request uh, to subscribe or or to my ebook thing, and just request an ebook and say, hey, this is who I am. We spoke on there. Can you get me in touch with John Kaltmeyer? And I'll I'll get you in touch with him. Okay, sounds okay. good. You know my website, well, right? Folks, uh, uh, speaking of getting in touch, you'd like to get a. Uh, in touch as well, like you go to the uh, website at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. Uh, check out the contact page where you can uh, send me a message. You can also connect with me on Twitter. Uh, there's a Twitter button there uh, where you can connect with me there as well. And uh, here on Blog Talk Radio, uh, you can also follow the show by this little follow button there on the on the site there where you can get uh, email updates. Uh, as well to uh, to follow the show. So for those do uh, definitely check it out. And if you'd like uh, your friends uh, to hear about the show tonight and all the content, uh, the podcast uh, through a link uh, is available. Uh, so you could just uh, email that to them uh, so that they can uh, come and listen to the podcast as well. And they can even download it. And uh, one of the good things about that is you can download it to even your smartphone or a CD or, you know, what have you. Uh, so that you can listen to uh, the show later, uh, you know, even if you have to listen to it in bits and pieces while you're driving your car or something of that nature, uh, that's uh, able to be done as well. But I do see it's about quarter hours, so I've got about 10 minutes left. Oh, gosh, not even that. Um, uh, yeah, maybe about uh, seven minutes perhaps uh, to finish things out uh, to get some final comments. Uh, so here's what I'm going to do is first uh, we're going to go and, uh, of course, give deference to the lady and give, uh, you have uh, about a minute there, Susan, for your final comments. And then uh, we're going to leave uh, you, John, where you'll be next for final comments of the night. Uh, and then we will have our guest. And then uh, you, Kelly, because uh, just for you to give our last, uh, you know, kind of call out for our show in the special edition this Friday at 10 p.m. Eastern time. And you can tell us a little bit about that. And then I'll uh, – Want to get Bob in there as well, actually, for some final comments. So, actually, we'll have it uh, be Susan, uh, John, Bob, and then uh, uh, Patrick, and then you, Kelly, and then I'll close things out. But literally, we were literally probably because we have so many people on the line still, which is great. I love it. Uh, but yeah. we'll limit us to about a minute of uh, final uh, thoughts. So, let's go ahead to you, Susan. What was the name of that library where this is being held in Boise? It's the Hayes, I believe it's called the Hayes, Hayes Auditorium, the Hayes Library in Boise, Idaho. Auditorium, library, in auditorium yeah. in the library. Yeah, I believe it's the Hayes Auditorium in the, let me find that out for you. I actually, I'm not sure off the top of my head. Bear with me here. 30, I'll come back 30. <laughs> and I imagine 
our host of our show will be there. Yes. Yeah, I was hoping that should get out to uh, to Idaho. Uh, you know, maybe be a, a part of that, but you know, things just uh, didn't uh, logistically uh, work through on that. So, yeah, but we're gonna find some way to either uh, have a show on it or do a, a podcast from there, or or maybe have you there and and do a report for us while you're there, Susan. We may have a a special edition on that Saturday uh, during that time to do that. Okay. That's something you and I will uh, can can coordinate over uh, off the air. And, and Susan, right. I got that. It's the Hayes Auditorium I, at the Boise Main Library. Boise Main Library. Roger, at the Hayes Auditorium. <laughs> I wonder if that's on Hayes. I don't know. I've never been to the Boise Main Library. Strange, I know, but there's other smaller ones. Seven fifteen yeah. South Capitol Boulevard. South Capitol Boulevard. If you just Google it, it comes up. I will. Um, okay. I know where the school is, and I know where the and I, can, and, I, and I can email you. I, I have a flyer. I have a flyer, uh, uh, Susan, on on it, so I could I could email that to you. Okay, that's, that would be great. I think we should. Yeah, I'll, I'll, <laughs> send you, yeah I'll, I'll send you the email. I'll, I'll send you the email, Susan. But uh, unfortunately, what we got to do uh, now is go ahead and bring things over to you, John. So for about a minute of closing comments, go ahead. Yeah, I just want to kind of remind everybody, help me out when we're picking out the president. Think about the fact that who, however he's treating the people that he despises today is most likely the way he's going to, he or she, is going to treat you when they get in office because the people that we agree with, we don't have those kind of problems. And most of us don't contact our government unless we have problems. So whenever I'm calling my representative or president or whoever, and it's always usually because I've got to straighten out some stuff that I think is going wrong. And if they're treating the people badly right now during their campaign about the people they don't like, then they're going to be treating you probably that way too when they get into office because you probably aren't going to call them when things are all going great to say, hey, let's get together. But thank you for what you're doing, Robert. Appreciate you uh, standing in the gap and helping uh, moderate this stuff and keeping us on track with good deliberations. Well, I appreciate it. You're welcome to uh, to come back as always, and I hope you'll be able to reach us Friday. Yeah, say I appreciate, uh, this is my first time with this group, and I really appreciate it, and it's um, it, it's, it's very it's re- very refreshing just to hear other people like this, uh, you know, have a conversation. And uh, like I say, I am a, a, a member of the Judicial Watch, and Judicial Watch is suing the State Department for all these records of uh, Hillary Clinton, and and you see the Clinton machine just stonewalling and the Obama administration just dragging its feet. And it's Mm -hmm. like everyone, all of us on this phone call and all of us all over America are wondering, why can't she be indicted? Like, is she going to be? (laughs) I'm telling you, why hasn't she been arrested? My gosh. (laughs) 
I mean, we were like, if she gets, it's like she gets away with murder, literally. So on that note, um, you know, it, it's uh, all we could do is keep trudging, keep trudging along, guys and girls. Thank you, Robert. Uh, you're welcome. Definitely uh, welcome to come back uh, to the show. And uh, looking at the time, we'll have to bring it over uh, to you, Patrick, and then Kelly, tell us a little bit uh, more of what you found out about uh, this, what we're going to be talking about Friday. And then, unfortunately, we'll have to close things out. Uh, each of us caught about a minute or so. Uh, go ahead, okay. uh, Patrick. All right. Hey, just uh, thanks, guys, for giving me a, a voice and being able to reach out to your audience. I, um, I really hope that uh, that people will – We'll, we'll vote for their heart, and we'll, we'll spread the word that there's uh, there's more out there than the, the, the two big parties, and that um, I believe uh, I believe there's a reason to hope, and I think that uh, if we stand up and uh, for for what we have convictions of, um, we can turn this ship around, maybe. Um, anyway, thank you guys. Well, I appreciate yeah. it, and, and definitely, and, and since this, you know, is grass grassroots show, uh, the way to spread it out is for us here on the show and those listening uh, tonight or live or on the archive uh, way of uh, spreading the show and uh, getting this information out to folks is for us to have to do it. And so I uh, just ask that, you know, you take the link and you share it on your Twitter pages or your you know Facebook pages or even through uh, send it out on your email uh, mailing list where people can get to the show as well. Uh, they can also uh, contact me with topics and guests they would like to see mm-hmm. on the show uh, by contacting me through the website's page. Uh, but definitely that's how we, you know, spread the word here on uh, Bard's Logic is by, you know, having the folks who participate and listen to the show uh, to spread it out amongst uh, their friends and family uh, so they can uh, join us as well. And so let's go ahead and bring it over to you, Kelly. Uh, for a little update, and then unfortunately I'll have to close things out. Go ahead. Well, John, thanks for coming on tonight. I missed a lot because I was on a conference call, but I heard some really good things, though, when I was. Um, yeah, so i got to do a plug for Friday night special show. We've got the Hammond Ranch situation. It's getting worse. i got a recent update. And uh, so anyway, I talked to uh, somebody who, his name's Bruce Doucette, who calls himself a federal judge of the continental United States, and they're going to do a common law grand jury thing and order the militia to be called up from across the country. So he's going to be joining us on Friday, and it's going to be very interesting. Um, So 7 o'clock, same time, Pacific, 10 o'clock on the East Coast, and hopefully get a lot of people to uh, listen in. Sounds good. Excellent. All right. And, and I appreciate everybody uh, giving us uh, coming into the show, participating, because that is what Bard's Logic is about. It is your show, the people's show. And so the more folks uh, we can have joining us and being a part of our roundtable discussion, I appreciate it, because it is you folks, uh, the audience, that uh, makes Bard's Logic uh, the show that it is. And uh, I really want to let you know that I appreciate that. And so definitely check out our special edition as Kelly pointed out, this Friday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 o'clock uh, Pacific time. Uh, bring yourself, bring your friends to listen to the show uh, so they can hear what it's all about, too. And so, of course, I will end tonight as I do every night. And that is with the, sorry, Wednesday night at least, but you know what I mean, uh, with the song by Aubrey Ashburn. 
And you can hear more of her music by going to www.aubreyashburn.com as well as going deep in our archives uh, where you can hear my interview with her. Uh, And so good night, folks. Take care, and we will see you Friday. Good night. Okay. Good night. Mm -hmm.